1: Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we are going to talk about the movies we watched this week before crowning the baddest dad and raddest dad of them all. And as always, dad is an energy and it is not a gender.
2: Very special episode today.
1: Yeah. The most
0: special. The most special. (laughs) We got somebody special here. Very special.
2: So we just got back from our trip to Toronto and we went with our very good buddy, Ashley. And you know we have to watch movies every week no matter what so we brought ashley into the fold and now ashley meyer herself (laughs) is here with us to talk about the movies we watch hello friend
0: hi friends i'm so excited to be here why don't you tell people who you are i'm ashley meyer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm an artist and I'm an art educator. I work with Kylie. I, I teach art at the same school that Kylie teaches English. Um, and I am also a friend to Kylie and Elliot. Um Kylie and I met probably like 2010 or something. Um we were little baby teenagers who worked in a bookstore together, which is I think still, in my opinion, the best place to make um friends. Mm-hmm. Um when you're a teenager and you're kind of into uh I don't want to say dorky things but eh, some things <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be dorky pardon it's okay to be dorky it's, it's preferred yeah that's why we're friends yeah um so yeah we worked at a bookstore together um and then we became friends and then um you went to university and then I caught up with you later and we were in different programs we still tried to take like you know classes and stuff together um and I was studying to become a teacher and then after you finished your first degree um you decided to become a teacher too uh-huh. and then we got to be like friends Real friends, like real university friends and take classes together. Um, and now we get to work together at the yeah. same school that we both graduated from. Yeah.
2: Now and we all take trips
0: And together. we're together forever. Yeah. <laughs> we're just all a little group of
1: really good friends. Yeah. One might say best friends, but you know, you don't put a label on it. Did you say you wouldn't say best friends? I said one might <gasps> oh, say best friends. I was like, like, I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said one would say best friends, but we don't like have to label it.
0: Kylie, will you be my best friend? Yes. Will you be my best friend? Yes. Oh my goodness, it's official, Elliot. I'm Elliot, like, you can come too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a part of it.
2: I'll happily come along. You can learn in my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch so of the little buddies. Story
1: is, uh, we're all best friends, and uh, we're really excited to have Ashley here with us to talk I'm, about movies.
0: Um, I'm Ashley Meyer of uh, bringing Kleenex to everything, everywhere, all at once fame.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've talked about Ashley a lot on the show. So basically. She's a celebrity, (laughs) basically. That's why I'm here. Her life
0: is kind (laughs) of (laughs) weird. I'm gonna ride your coattails to fame happily. Let you do that,
2: guys. I'm really excited to talk about this week of movies. I I think, arguably, this is like the most excited I've been to talk about a batch of movies because I think we watched some of the best movies over the course of this week.
1: He has a very
0: good batch, a very good batch.
2: It's very good. So, we watched. We watched five movies.
0: Yeah. And should we give a, a uh disclaimer that this is probably gonna be your longest episode ever? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. Kylie and I yeah. on our own have the tendency to trap each other into conversations. For lovingly hours. trap each other yes. for hours. Well, I
2: also feel like we're gonna give some like anecdotes about the trip that we just went on as well and just kind of the experiences that we had in addition to talking about these movies. Yeah. So
3: and of a lot course.
1: of yeah. stuff connects to like our pasts, things we like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. As you say, strap in. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a ride. Maybe
0: get a snack. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Take us with you on your trip to the bathroom. You could. We we won't judge. No. Man. Just make sure the toilet seat is down.
2: Man, there's going to be so much bathroom <laughs> talk on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Heavens. Um, okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about our first movie. So we actually didn't watch this one together. We watched it in our own households before we went on the trip, but we wanted to talk about it uh, anyway. Because it was so good, yeah. Because it was Mm -hmm. great. So we watched the new movie Prey from 2022. It's an action adventure drama slash horror.
1: It's not classified as a horror anywhere, but I think it should be.
2: Yeah. It has horror elements.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, It was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane.
1: But on his Wikipedia page, it is very clear he is not related to Michelle Trachtenberg.
2: I was wondering mm. that. <laughs> thanks, that for, thanks for clarifying. You're welcome. Um, and it was written by Patrick Ason and uh, and Trachtenberg as well. And it's based on the characters by Jim Thomas. The synopsis, the origin story of the Predator in the world of Com- Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved predators to land on Earth. It stars Amber Midthunder as Naru. Naru. Na- oh, Naru. Uh Dakota Beavers as t- Tabe? Tabe. Tabe. Yeah. Dane DeLegro-, DeLegro as the Predator. Um, yeah. So this was a movie like I heard had come out or was coming out. I never watched a trailer for it cuz I've just kind of like at this point when if I see a Predator movie is coming out, that's just kind of like okay, whatever. I like, I saw the original a long time ago. I barely remember it. And then you and I I and I didn't see the, any of the sequels except for Predators, which came out like I feel like a decade ago. You and yeah, I 2010 and I think. You and I Kylie went to the theater to see that. And it was again just kind of whatever. I think there's been one more after that movie. And yeah, I'm I'm not a predator person, and so I never sought these movies out at all. Um, but then I started hearing rumblings that this movie was actually awesome, and I'm like, okay. So we checked out a trailer, and we're like, oh, damn.
1: Yeah, man, and the last is- rumble came from Ash- <laughs> Ashley Meyer herself, and I was
0: like, we gotta watch this. It did, and like I I had no skin in this game. Um, this is my partner Perry. This is like one of his favorite franchises of all time. Um, is it really? He's very pardoned?
2: It, was it really? It is. Like, yeah,
0: he's very, <clears throat> he's very into, um, yeah, like 80s action movies and that kind of <laughs> thing. So, um, I had zero interest in watching it, but he asked me if I would watch it with him. So I acquiesced. Um, <clears throat> I was just going to build IKEA furniture while he watched it, which I, I did for about the first ten minutes, um, and then I realized that I hadn't been screwing any, like, screwing <laughs> anything in <laughs> or using any tools in a little while. So I, I put the IKEA furniture down and just like actually paid attention to the movie because I was pretty engrossed already. Um But yeah, like after the movie, I got a full history of all of the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of nice. all of the... Like I got a history of Predator and then all of the uh, the uh sequels and the crossovers and the difference oh, wow. between Predator and Predators... Pred- Predator and Predators? Plural.
1: Oh, so you got like a yeah. personal podcast from oh, Perry. Did I ever, yeah. Post Prey.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. It was... um <laughs>
2: That's great. All right. What do you guys think of it? Um, Kylie, let's start with you. What do you think of Prey?
1: I am also um, not super familiar with the Predator franchise. I have never seen the original.
0: Have you, Ashley? I don't think so. No. no,
1: Elliot, I believe, has. Yeah. It's the only one I've ever seen, ever, is that Adrian Brody one from 2010, and I don't remember liking it very much, but who mm-hmm. knows? Um, leans more action slash horror, although apparently it's not horror. one says it's horror, but I think it is. Um, So, action always means that I'm a little bit more skeptical, but, like, what did I think? This rocked.
2: So It was so
3: good. good. It was
0: so good. It was so good. I was um pretty ready when I saw, is it the expository action? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, when the expository action was beginning, I pretty immediately got my, like, university English hat on <laughs> 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 and started getting ready to... um see and pick out and critique all the mm. elements of this film that were problematic or weren't being done in a very like kind or considerate way. Um, Cause I, w- I was really ready for it to have some of those tropes of like Tarzan and avatar mm. and like mm. so on and so forth. Um, but it just, and I, and again, like I didn't know anything about the movie and now we'll, we'll talk about this probably in a minute, but I did a lot of research after and had I done any research, I would have seen that that wasn't going to be the case Um, but like, despite kind of having that guard up and being watching, like watching for those things, um, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at every turn with how well it was being done and how, how well things were being considered, which now like looking at, um, the crew behind the movie, um, like, of course, but, um, yeah, that was kind of like my first reaction to it. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, it was so good. It like, it had, for me, kept me engaged the whole way through. Mm -hmm. Like, I just... I I was really liking how it unfolded. And I think it was so smart to bring in, like just to tell this story of this creature, this alien creature that comes to Earth and has tech that is way beyond Mm -hmm. like the people that are on Earth Mm -hmm. and how like this war that's kind of being waged between tech and no tech and just how, you know, the, the, the predator almost just like takes it for granted by by like the end of the movie but you see how um sort of what's the word i'm looking for just kind of like how adaptive naru is and Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. in uh within her community who just like adapt to try to like take down the predator yeah um it it just made it like so compelling because it's like how do you beat something that can be invisible and has like Tar- targeting powers and, is and so much like, stronger ps- than you mm-hmm. and has better weapons, and yeah, yeah. like that mm-hmm. can like <laughs> take on a bear mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that. Like, it's uh, yeah, like it was you, you feel the weight of just Naru being outgunned the whole time, and mm-hmm. how she can, like, you're just like, how is she going to adapt yeah. to take this thing down?
1: Well, and so that's like from the action horror perspective, those scenes are great. Like, I can get really tired mm-hmm. of action scenes because i just feel like something yeah. i've seen a million like lord of the rings game it's of thrones a lot of clanging yeah yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah a lot of clanging <laughs> but i thought that these had um interesting like choreography innovative like you like innovative kills mm-hmm. um and like clever. yeah very clever kills yeah. and like they like the 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 filmmakers played with pacing and yeah. I, I don't know it made the fight scenes much more interesting for me to watch yeah um but also, like they, they had an investment in the character of Naru from the start, mm-hmm. where she actually had a inner conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, she had something that she needed to prove mm-hmm. that made me invested in those fight scenes and invested in what happened to her beyond just like horror movie schlock mm-hmm. or action mm-hmm. movie schlock. Mm-hmm. Um, which made, yeah, which made me much more along for the ride with her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it also sets up um, even just kind of with predator removed from the situation mm-hmm. like she already has mm-hmm. a conflict to face and odds mm-hmm. stacked against her with being a woman and wanting to pursue this role like of the warrior mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so um it kind of sets up that dynamic so already like from from one angle you're like rooting for mm-hmm. her a little bit and then it also engages like that trope of like women not being mm-hmm. listened to right so then it kind of engages your sense of justice yeah mm-hmm. and wanting to kind of yeah like see her um, I saw
1: multiple threads on R slash horror afterwards that were like, what are other movies where women aren't believed about something that is real? Mm-hmm. I'm like mm-hmm. most of so many, <laughs> many. <laughs> look around you, in yeah. real life. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. They, like that idea of the, the um we, the audience, know it's real as opposed to some of those other films, like a Rosemary's Baby or something like that, where we we also are not sure if she's she's not making it up, obviously not making it up, but if it's in her head or if it's
0: reality. We're, mm-hmm. Well, we're being invited along on, like, and asked to decide whether we do or don't believe, right? Correct. Whereas in this movie, like, we're showing it right away. Yeah. So yeah. we're on our side.
1: Yeah, we know that this is happening and and we feel the frustration of the disbelief mm-hmm. that others have mm-hmm. towards her. And we're, yeah, we're aligned with her because we also believe. Yeah.
2: Like, already, cool. like, it's just... This conversation is just evidence that she's such a great character and developed really well in comparison to. And again, I don't remember, but like what sticks out for me from like the original Predator is it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, like these huge jacked up dudes. It's just like kind of like this dick measuring contest. Yeah. And it's just like very shallow characterization Mm -hmm. in favor of wanting to have some killer action sequences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like this, like, it just shows like how thoughtful of a character yeah. is how like strategic and yeah. smart she is and has to yeah. be it just makes for such a such a more interesting story and just mm-hmm. such a more interesting character to yeah. follow and see grow and kick ass
0: and that's the thing we st- like with all those things we still get really cool action scenes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, really cool action scenes
2: it's so good scenes. well and yeah. like there's like they just feel They feel so, I don't know, like they feel intentional and smart. Like I love seeing like her kind of shots of her like kind of formulating the plan in her head. Like you can kind of see her weighing all of the outcomes and all of the angles that she could take to go into a uh, like a conflict of whatever it is. Mm -hmm.
0: But the other thing that I kind of had my eye out for with that is when um the the colonists or the colonizers are introduced Mm -hmm. and she um is she gains access to like their weaponry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then it was kind of like that trope of like oh she couldn't like using the facilities that she had she couldn't face this thing but because she now has this like air quotes um this like piece of like technology or mm-hmm. um like something from like the air quotes industrialized world mm-hmm. now she can face the opponent. Mm-hmm. Um but it wasn't that like that's not what no that's not what saved her skin. It, it was like her knowledge of the land, her skills that she had developed and trained and um like yeah just how like clever and thoughtful. Well
2: yeah she was like maybe we are getting spoiler eager, but like the the fact that she does like come into having these weapons and they actually fail her yeah. like initially and it's just like well like this is stupid like yeah then she just goes back to what she knows and what she's what she's best at Yeah. and I think that that's even where the original Predator movie goes to like they can't beat this thing with guns so they have to rely on being Mm. smarter about it Mm -hmm.
1: Um, the other thing I'll say is I I'm sure this happens in action movies too but I don't watch as many of them I love it in a horror movie I love watching a kill yeah, but I obviously don't want the people I care about to die. Yep. So I love when people I don't like are introduced so that they can be Yeah. <laughs> where yes! I'm like, "Oh yes, fodder for the fodder for the yes. kills." Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I can be like, you know, excited about the kill and not not yeah. like, "Well, that was a cool kill, but I'm devastated that this person died." Yeah. Well, that like there's both of that. Yeah. In
0: yeah. this film, um that love was it. I saw, I didn't write down where I saw this. Um, but I did see mention of that, that, like, the colonizers basically become, like, comedic relief, like, while they're... Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, meeting their demise. Um, But I also saw it noted that... um, I don't know if this was done purposefully or if somebody just commented on it that they thought it was very thoughtful. But when, um, like, members of um, Nehru's tribe do die or are injured... Um, the camera doesn't linger. It doesn't yeah. exploit their deaths. Mm-hmm. It tends to be kind of obscured, even. Yeah, yeah. So somebody um, had just like mentioned or written that they saw that as um, yeah, just very thoughtful and a sign of respect for because mm-hmm. so yeah. often like if you look at um, you know like I'm just I'm thinking back to Avatar now like it, it's the it's like the native peoples who become the fodder. Yes, yeah, the colonizers and who are just, like gaze, going right? up mm-hmm. into like the meat grinder kind of yeah. Um, in a way that. I don't know. They're just kind of treated as, yeah, like extras and not as human. Um, well, I think of, So I like that that was kind of flipped.
1: I think of that in the difference between a like assault revenge film made by a woman as opposed to made by a man. So like the difference between uh, The Last House on the left versus um, revenge or Promising Young Woman, which has issues. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, the way the camera, the gaze of the camera is very different in those films. Than they than they tend to be in in some of those earlier like rape revenge movies, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be like uh, Daniel Trechenberg is not indigenous, um, yet he's obviously considering like the gaze of the camera and how it's used. Yeah, yeah. and I think that shows the importance of ha- like when filmmakers who aren't a part of the community that they're making a film about mm-hmm. make those films that they consider those things yeah mm-hmm. and I
0: think um this was one thing that I wanted to mention so one of the producers um, I'm not going to name all the producers I'm just going to mention this one Jane Myers um so she is a Comanche and Blackfeet American Indian um who's known for her dedication to production Native film fine arts um Native language and nato- Native cultural advising Um, So she did a lot of work on this film. And one of the things that she said um, is that she's never really gotten to use all of her talents on Uh. something. Mm -hmm. Um, But this time the whole book was open thanks to Dan Trochtenberg. She thought like this was great because she has a fierce creative side and she knows all about her culture and what she doesn't know. She has people willing to back her up. It was fabulous. So it sounds like Dan kind of deferred to her, like somebody who was actually part of that. Yeah community and part of that culture um and allowed her to have a lot of like directing and ownership of what yeah. those things look like so and collaboration I versus mm-hmm. just
1: like advising exactly right? yeah.
0: exactly and um yeah there was I, I read some pretty great things um from her that yeah i'm just i'm happy that she was part of this movie and got to work yeah, on that's it killer. and then
1: you can watch a dub of the film in entirely in comanche um, also interesting and it is, sorry, I'm, I'm getting two thoughts at once. One is that that is, um, all the actors are the ones who dub it, Yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. Is and cool. the entire cast is Native American. Yeah. 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 Like I think, um, Rachel Notley posted something yeah, yeah. about this oh, really? because it was filmed in Alberta. Yeah. It's yeah. 95% of the cast. 95. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause the French, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was also, that's, that was my other thought is that, um, when there's French speaking in the film, it's not dubbed in English. Yeah. Or not dubbed, sorry, um not subtitled, subtitled. in English. Yeah. Which is really interesting. So you don't know what the French are saying. Oh. Unless you know French. And I know I know a little bit. Like there was a couple moments where I'm like, "Oh my goodness, like what they just said is so oh, ridiculously awful." Yeah. Um mm-hmm. because I
0: I right. I know what certain words are, but right. there's sometimes where I was like, "I don't know what they said." <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's that's interesting actually because um, I was like, but no, I knew what they were saying. But Perry was trying, like Perry speaks Was French. translating? It yeah, for so he you. was translating for me. But that's also a really interesting move because I think so often it's kind of flip, like yeah. the we're meant to have a language barrier between, um, like the the non, like the the non-colonizer group, right? Like we're yeah. so. I said that silly. <laughs> that's okay. Um, like I, what you're trying to say.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that usually we would see the disconnect, the viewer, like the the film would create a disconnect between us and the indigenous group. Wait, right. Like lang- language.
0: Right. Language and understanding creates connection. Yeah. So when we are deprived of understanding a language, we're deprived of connection.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So when that's mm-hmm. done with the French. That cuts off our connection to them, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes our connection to um Nehru and, like, all of the other people in that film, Um, I don't know, maybe all that much and, stronger. And, and we're from her it. perspective, right? So mm-hmm. if she can't understand them, then we don't get to understand right. them. Mm-hmm. And so often, like, um, people like Nehru, like, Indigenous people are the ones who are othered in films. Like, yeah. they're the ones who we don't understand. We don't know the language. They're not subtitled. Like... Mm-hmm. it's like background chatter mm-hmm. that's often meant to make them like seem more exotic, more mm-hmm. foreign, that kind of thing um, so yeah by just kind of placing them as the people that we understand and placing like the white colonizers as the people who we have the barrier with mm-hmm. um, I just thought that, that was a really um, yeah, yeah w- yes, that was a really nice <laughs> thing that they did <laughs> that was well. I'm, I'm starting to adopt it as my thought you're the one who brought it up though <laughs> <laughs> no, that's OK. That's what we do
1: here. I have a good uh, quote from uh, well, bef- Dan.
2: Before you get to that, I, I'm, and maybe the quote addresses it, but I, I am curious as to why they made the decision to have them speak in English. So, yes, this yeah. quote
1: does address it to some degree, I'm sure. So this is from an interview with Slash Film where Dan Trachtenberg mentions the film's creative team struggling with what he called the, quote, hunt for Red October thing, where the characters speak Russian and then transition into English. So like we just mm-hmm. get a little like oh yeah this is the language but now we'll speak English uh, okay and then quote he said they never quite came up with a way to make it work so instead the uh, film was shot in English and Comanche Comanche mm-hmm. um, both languages are spoken but when you hear English it's as if it's Comanche he said um, but what is speaking to what Jane is speaking to is on Hulu there will be a Comanche dub of the movie so you can watch the entire movie in Comanche with the original actors returning to perform their roles in an interview with Empire Trachtenberg went on to say there's a lip match that we do now, and it won't be like watching what? old movies.
2: Oh, interesting. That's
1: amazing. So what what is interesting to me that is that they stopped short of what Denis Villeneuve did with Polytechnique, which is where he made two versions of the film. Uh, so it's not dubbed. He filmed it in English, and he filmed in it wow. in French. And you can watch whichever one you want, same actors. Hmm. Now that's a ton of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like making two movies. And yeah. Denis Villeneuve speaks both languages, right. which I, I'm assuming that Dan Trachtenberg does not speak Comanche. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, So like they they stopped just short of that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know, I'm sure they're looking at supply and demand, um, but I think it's a really positive step in the right direction. Mm -hmm.
2: um, Yeah. I I appreciate that he was thoughtful about it. and that they're speaking about it. Because that's kind of like the thing. And I feel like you and I have talked about this on the show. Like we really don't like, like it's the Chernobyl of it all, right? Where like everything is taking place. In, in russia, russia but, they're speaking but everyone's speaking. speaking yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but like i appreciate that they were they were thoughtful about that and like that's interesting that that version's available to i
3: think
0: and, and readily accessible yeah right oh yeah it's not like you have to oh, like yeah. seek it out yeah that's just like one of the options yeah and that's the first ever comanche dubbing of a film it's a big deal that's it huge yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah I there, mean, it shouldn't have been like there's sh- no, there, this should have been something that existed, but I'm glad that now it does. Now it does, and it opens. It's that such door. a badass
2: film, too.
1: Yeah. so badass so yeah. good and like part of a franchise it's you know popular movie
0: it's,
2: a, yeah. a, like a seemingly dead franchise too yeah. where <laughs> like you're only attracting the parries of the world who all like want to see this right
0: <laughs> we say that lovingly <laughs> i do
2: of course yeah yeah, so yeah. That,
1: i don't we 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 mentioned at the beginning this is probably going to be a long episode yeah and i know we probably should wrap up talking about prey but i really want to talk about one last thing mm-hmm. i want to talk about one more thing too but you go first. it might <laughs> be the same thing okay We'll see. We'll see. Um, I want to talk about the theater versus streaming.
2: That's what I want to talk about too. So this
1: went straight to, it's Hulu, right? Mm -hmm. And then in Canada, where we are, it's Disney Plus. I'm not sure where it is elsewhere. But this is one of the things I'm most frequently seeing on Letterboxd and other places is like, I wish I had seen this in the theater. I wish I had seen this in the theater. I've heard both of you kind of lament this a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I want to um, push on that a little. I think far more people have seen it and seen it quickly because it went to streaming than Mm -hmm. if it had been in theaters. Yeah. Because it is far more accessible. Yes. It's far more accessible to go straight to streaming. But we just have this perception of straight to streaming as like the straight to video, straight to DVD, whatever, as being like, oh, that means that like the studio doesn't have faith in it. Right. Or Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. not good. Right. If it goes straight to video, it means Mm -hmm. it's crappy. But I feel like the pandemic has changed it that. It really does.
0: That's been challenged in recent years. I've
1: yeah, really, and really in fact, yeah. way. when I hear like only in theaters, I'm like, I think of the folks in my life who still aren't comfortable going to the theater, yeah. or who like are severely immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. It's not safe to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, we have people in our lives
0: who just don't like going to the theater. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. straight up a preference. When it's thinking, less expensive. Thinking about who this movie is made about and for, yeah. like, geographic access to a theater. Totally. Right. Yeah. So,
2: I also think, like, theaters just, I, I feel like theaters just haven't fully recouped the audience no, that they lost over no. the pandemic. No. So, like, putting this, yeah, just making this more accessible right out of the gate I is think a good idea. I wish
1: we didn't have to have that dichotomy. Like, how, yeah. cool would it be if this was released in theaters and simultaneously released on Hulu and like but that, but then yeah I guess it, I don't know it's so complicated because this would have been so great to see in the theater and we would have seen it in the theater but how many people would never have even given it a shot if it was in theaters and not on streaming
0: oh I wouldn't have yeah. I would have told Perry to go with go one, of by his, himself. one of his yeah. other predator friends, but- <laughs> the other friends <laughs> his friends are predators <laughs> yeah. Well, One of his other <laughs> friends
1: who likes the Predator franchise. That. Language is so important. It's very <laughs> important.
2: But you know, like, I I feel like we're kind of in a time right now where they're not afraid to look at the success of a film and then, like, look at everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, While yeah. it was released in the theater, it left and they brought it back. Yep. Uh, because of the demand of people who like want to see it, and that it it was doing well and giving people a second chance to do that. Yeah. And like right now, E. T. is coming back into the theater. Jaws yeah. is coming back into the theater. So I think like from what I've seen online, Prey is getting some really great reviews, a really great response. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up doing like a limited release yep, in theaters. Agreed. For and people I wanna, that wanna want to see.
1: it. I want that. Conversation. I just I keep seeing such reductive this should have been in the theater and i feel like that's the nuance that's mm-hmm. missing is that mm-hmm. by having it not be in the theater there's an accessibility like yep. you said geographically socioeconomically um ability like disability wise mm-hmm. um to create more people seeing this movie yeah completely mm-hmm. like i just i don't know enough of, i'm so mm-hmm. uninterested in stats but i'm sure somebody has the stats out there about how many more people see it yeah I'm also not a big fan of okay. Well, it's in theaters and you can stream it at home, but you have to pay thirty bucks for it. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just it's it's really complicated, and I we haven't figured it out yet how to create the accessibility and still have the, have it have the theater experience yeah. should people want it.
0: Yeah. The other thing that makes me think of too is. Um, I'm not saying this is a kids' film per se, but like you probably, actually, you both probably had this experience of watching like certain movies, like probably before you were the time, oh, like, yeah. the age of like the intended audience, right? Elliot like, <laughs> especially, yeah. right? So like I think about like Perry having probably watched Predator when he was like I don't know, probably nine yeah. for the first time. So could you imagine being a nine year old right now in this movie coming out and then being able to watch it on repeat and on Disney for the, days like, and days and have. days on <laughs> yeah. end? Yeah, like that's that's so fun. This is I one mean, of those like yeah. what
1: I call entry. Level horror and how cool yeah. that an entry level horror is not a movie about a white man, yeah, or a movie about a white woman who is sexualized and, yeah, like terrorized and is just vulnerable the entire film, yeah, right. Well, I Completely. think
2: it's like the predator, I feel like the predator series now has its Ripley from the Alien yeah. series, oh, totally.
0: You know? yeah. 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 Totally. It just and took him a while to great. get there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. So Ash, you had one more thing you want to talk about. I did. And um mentioning um Ripley um is kind of a good lead in because Ripley has a um non human sidekick.
3: Oh, oh. yeah Naru's sidekick. Okay. <laughs> so I'm very
0: much like Kylie in that after I watch a movie, I want to go and do research yeah. and find things out and read what other people are saying. Um, but, um, based on my, my interests, Kylie, what would you guess my, my post-movie research was on? Probably a
1: lot about the dog. Probably a lot about the dog. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Indeed. So we're going to talk about the dog for a second. Yeah. I'm surprised
1: we haven't yet.
0: Have you read anything about the dog? (laughs) No, I honestly, legitimately,
1: I was like, Ashley's going to have that
0: covered. (laughs) Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I have a, I have a full report, um, written and ready to deliver. Okay. So the dog, (laughs) there is a really wonderful dog in this film, um, when I started to kind of get like latch on a little bit in those first few minutes, um, before I could allow myself to fully mm. um, get into the movie, I had to go to doesthedogdie.com dot com mm-hmm. um, just to kind of like calm myself. Um, so the dog's name in this movie, her name is Sari, and um, Sari is a Carolina dog. That's her breed, um, she, and that is the breed that's believed to have been the breed that was used by indigenous people in the Americas before European colonization. Amazing. Mm. So I liked that aspect That's that cool. it was um yeah, historically accurate. We weren't seeing, you know, like a I don't know, like a a French a French bulldog or something <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> with Anaru, um the dog's name in real life is Coco and she is a rescue dog <gasps> who was rescued oh. and adopted specifically for this project. Oh, Cute. however, in being a rescue dog that was, you know, run in the mean streets, um, she does not have any formal acting training, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which led to what sounds like many hijinks in the filming. I can imagine. Um, she's become kind of like the star of a lot of kind of like the online discussions and a lot of like the press mm-hmm. tour and stuff. Um, and uh, Dan Trachtenberg and um, is it Amber Mid-Thunder? yes yes so they've they've been asked a lot about um coco slash um sorry sorry Uh yeah um and they've had a lot of really funny things to say um so i guess in the original version of the film um there wasn't supposed to be very much of the dog oh yeah but then on the test audiences they were all like we want more of the dog that dog is awesome like please more please more yeah and dan trachtenberg was like you don't understand. We are using every usable usable clip we have of this oh, no. dog because I guess she was a little bit of a wild child. Um she would like wander through action scenes while they were filming. Um <laughs> uh Okay, I'm going to read just a couple of excerpts from an AV Club article um, because, yeah, there's some funny things that they say. So on the press tour, both Mid-Thunder and Trachtenberg do their best to emphasize their deep love for her, Coco, the dog, while also being pretty honest about the fact that she was a massive, cheerful, energetic, joyful impediment to actually getting the goddamn movie made. (laughs) 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 She was kind of a disaster, said Mid-Thunder. She was a little bit of a hot mess, but in a sweet way. (laughs) Um, She's not a movie dog. She was literally adopted to be in this movie, and she just happened to be very high energy. Uh, Trachtenberg described how it was always a nail-biting moment for us on set. Is Coco going to, like, make her mark and do what she needs to do? All of this, again, is said with maximum affection. It was sometimes a journey to get there, but eventually she always did. It was very exciting, and lots of cheers would happen when we finally got a great take with Coco. (laughs) Good girl. Um... Yeah, so I guess that she was just very exciting and running, excited and running wild and doing laps around the set all the time. <laughs> um, And that just makes me really happy because I love dogs so much. And mm-hmm. I love um especially dogs who are like joyful, chaotic goofs. Mm-hmm. Um So that made me very happy to read about. That's cute. Aww, it's real cute. That's, that's really cute. That's real all cute. Coco. Coco. Um, the it. internet is lovingly referring to her now as the Meryl Streep of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Breakout star of the year.
2: That's great. Do we know where Coco is now?
0: Yep. She is. mm, We're going to fact check this. Give me 30 seconds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that this movie was awesome. Yes. Um, Highly recommend. while, While Ashley is fact checking, I'll ask Kylie. How did this movie make you feel?
1: It made me feel just like so invested in the character of Naru. And I was just like rooting for her so hard the entire time. And I mm-hmm. had like so much fun on that ride.
2: Yeah. Just want yeah. more of her. Yeah. I hope they continue her story.
1: They, they can Disney plus a TV show about her and I will watch it. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm sorry. I've been reading about Sari. I would too. No, I'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking about Naru? <laughs> yeah. I would too. Sorry. Not to put like the dog above um the, the, the human. The person. <laughs> um, sh- she's amazing really just quick update yeah um so people were pretty immediately like yo what's happening to coco because i think often um or like in the past um dogs or even like Mm. humans um can kind of have this experience of almost being like air quotes like rented out for Mm. a film and then dumped um but coco was adopted by a family who works in the entertainment industry um she was adopted for this film but she's going to yeah stay with the family. Um, and she was adopted with the intention of keeping her. Um, she's staying with the family. There was never a question whether she would stay or not. Wonderful, awesome, yeah, that's great. Happy ending, Happy Lovely. ending.
2: How would pray make you feel?
0: Um, I have triumphant <laughs>
3: written down. <laughs> that's good. Like at the
0: end, mm-hmm. like, and I'm I'm kind of maybe no I I know I am like you Kylie in that. I don't often lean towards action movies mm-hmm. because I like to watch movies that are a little bit more like emotionally complex and mm-hmm. can have more nuance and stuff. But it, I mean, if, that's not to say that this movie is not complex or doesn't have nuance. But it, it's so fun to kind of get to the end of a film and kind of have like a hurrah moment mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. yeah feel like triumphant. In, it's a great word choice. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's, that's how great. that made me feel, and I was just um, really blown away. And then I asked Perry. I was like. Are the rest of this, the movies this good? Like, we should watch them. And he's like, no, literally <laughs> none of them. Only yeah. the first one is good. The rest are trash. <laughs>
1: well, think of this as the first movie ever made in the Predator right franchise,
0: <laughs> Right, exactly. First
1: and only, unless they can recreate this magic.
2: Maybe you just need, yeah, maybe you need to watch the Predator movies in timeline order, like the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You start with this one. Um, How'd it make you feel? Um, pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, knowing nothing, like having. A lot of doubts going into a new Predator movie, but then hearing that people loved it, and then watching it and loving it myself, like, and I'm just so it kind of re- revitalizes my excitement mm-hmm. of for this franchise, and that I, I would be excited for another Predator movie to come out mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this universe, in this universe that they've set up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this
1: Dan track tra- and uh didn't say that very well jam like to take a franchise that already exists and then kind of do his own thing with it like with 10 Mm -hmm. Cloverfield Lane Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which I kind of want to revisit Mm -hmm.
2: it's just like he seems to have a good grasp on like he likes the source material and and wants to tell isolated stories within Within that universe
0: which like don't so many of us have that though where we look at like a film or a franchise and it's like they only did this or that so it's fun that somebody is getting to do that
1: he's like yeah I don't have to like come up with my completely own idea I like I like this. Yeah. I like and I'll the, do my story. I like that
2: Cloverfield it. movie. I, l- I like Predator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great.
1: Cool guys. Cool guys.
2: Wow. One movie down almost 40 minutes in <laughs> no way seriously <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i think that's a that's a beefy one like that one had a lot of like really good research to do on it we and say that conversations. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we won't talk about the rest for that long <laughs> <laughs> we didn't love them that much oh right oh, we boy. didn't love this next movie at speaking all speaking of which kylie take take us there okay
1: so i had the first pick when we um were in toronto Because we were very tired the first day we got there and we had a tight timeline of when we needed to watch movies because we were there five nights, two of them we were going to concerts. Mm -hmm. So we knew we couldn't watch movies those nights. And then we were going to go see a movie in the theater on the Saturday, which meant we had to watch a movie Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Man, we did a lot of stuff. Um, (laughs) Now, we forgot to bring an HDMI cable. Mm -hmm. There wasn't one in the Airbnb. Um, so we instacarted mm-hmm. an HDMI cable. Um, my movie was and picked. Snacks. And snacks.
0: So many snacks. A lot of snacks. <laughs> Too many yeah, snacks. Yeah, we had a lot of snacks. Maybe but we'll post HDMI- a picture of our snacks. <laughs> the HDMI cable was my Trojan horse to get all those chips and
3: candy <laughs> into I mean, the Airbnb.
0: <laughs> I'm not mad about it.
1: I'm not mad <laughs> about it. Um, my movie was picked because you guys both said your movies were bleak and also mine was the shortest and we were tired. Mm-hmm. So I picked the 2021 comedy drama film Ninja Baby. I forgot to look up how to pronounce these names. <laughs> oh, no. Um, directed by Ingvild Schieflick, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and written by Johan Fasting um, and Flické. And here's the big reveal, you guys. Mm-hmm. Based on a graphic novel Oh, by Inga H. Seder.
3: Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I don't want
1: to say much more about that, but yeah. I thought that when I read that, I was like, oh, oh. So the synopsis, I, I had a really tough time finding a synopsis for this that I liked. Um, yeah. So this actually comes from the Berlin International Film Festival. Okay. A baby has lodged itself unnoticed in her stomach. Oh. And if there's one thing that Raquel knows, she doesn't want it. The life-hungry young woman has a blooming imagination and spends time illustrating her everyday life. Hence, the ninja, ninja baby appears as a comic figure which accompanies Raquel through the madness that is growing up.
2: Mm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I kept seeing the same synopsis. And I didn't like it. Yeah.
1: Um. So I there was a lot of good people in this, but I'm just going to name three of them. So our lead, Kristen Kujath-Thorpe, is Raquel. Arthur Burning plays Pick Jesus.
3: Pick
0: <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> um. And Nader Kademi plays Maz. Um, I picked this movie because somebody I follow on Letterboxd gave it a 5 out of 5. And I looked at it when I was like, whoa, 5 out of 5. I've never heard of this. And the plot sounded like something I would like. I didn't know much else about it. Didn't know if it would be good or not. You two had never heard of it.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of Ninja Baby? Good job, person on Letterboxd. Indeed, five out of five. Indeed. Indeed. Five out of five. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I deeply, deeply loved this movie. Mm-hmm. On so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that struck me is the acting of mm-hmm. what's, what's of Raquel who plays Raquel? Christine Kujoff Thorpe. Can we call her Raquel? Yep. Hey, cool. <laughs> um, and it, yeah. So um, the first thing that struck me was um, the acting that was done for the character of Raquel. um I don't think I've ever f- felt so closely tied hmm. to a character or been mm. able to embody a character. Mm so much um like she just had so many wonderful quirks and idiosyncrasies and it just it just really felt like you were spending time with a real person Mm -hmm. who you loved and saw all these parts of Mm -hmm. um uh there was a review that i saw in letterbox that called her superbly natural fun quirky almost as if the part is her own life that's Mm. yeah that's exactly um how I felt about her. I do wish, like um, I, I really like watching um, subtitled films like in other languages. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, this was one of the few movies that I was like, oh, I really wish I spoke Norwegian just so that I could like really get into like her delivery yeah. of what mm. she was saying. Like the
1: nuance of it. Yeah. I mean, but it was
0: mm-hmm. still, it was still so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was the first thing that struck me was just how, um, how quickly I like bonded mm. to that
1: character.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I th- I thought the portrayal of Raquel was so well done, and mm-hmm. like I thought she was she's pretty bably.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um,
2: yeah. but yeah, like I I want to watch more movies with that actress. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing that really stuck with me was the cinematography because it, oh, it gave me gorgeous. that like yeah. I, I think I said it when we were watching the movie like thinking of like Sam Esmail who directs and created Mr. Robot who is like a big proponent of negative space within his framing so mm-hmm. you'll kind of have like your mm-hmm. main character like they're kind of framed bottom right mm-hmm. and then it's just like the rest of it is just kind of yeah negative space mm-hmm. it's just the room or what's going on in the background and I don't know. I I just love that. I I love that as a device to kind of isolate the character. But then it's also really... It also just keeps you engaged without kind of realizing it. Especially in dialogue scenes where Mm -hmm. maybe we're just doing um, like a one shot of the person... Mm -hmm. One person talking and then we'll cut to another person talking and maybe they're on the other side of the Mm -hmm. frame. So you're kind of having to like keep track of this conversation. Yeah. And like visually like you're bouncing back and forth. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I really... I really dig that. It just, like, the, the kind of, I don't know, the, like, m- the minimalist in me. I just, mm-hmm. like, love mm-hmm. that isolation of those kinds of yeah. shots instead of just, like, center frame, lock mm-hmm. off the camera. Yeah. Like, just set it, forget yeah. it.
1: Well, and then this film uses the, um, it's a device we've seen before, but mm-hmm. the, like, cartoon sketching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, happening over top of the actual film itself. And then sometimes there's, like, little, like, interstitials in between yeah. as yeah. well. And I was a little worried that this would be overused, but I thought they did it really well and really sparingly. And I said this after we were kind of chatting a little bit after it it ended. Um, And I said, I thought that it was used to show her interior thoughts to us rather than having like an interior monologue or having Mm her um, Mm -hmm. use exposition, like in conversation with like a friend to let us know what's going on in her head. Mm -hmm. Um, And because what's going on in the film is so complex and so intense and yet so funny and yet so sad, and yet, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things, I think to have it done through illustration so that we can see it and yet apply our own understanding of what that might mean mm-hmm. is actually really beautifully done. Yeah. Very.
2: Yeah. Like it's, I feel like it's a device that we saw a lot kind of in like the mid to late 2000s, like yeah. really like in teen movies, yeah. like yeah. it made me think of like Juno or yeah. like Me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Like to what degree like that. is
1: it playing on that? Right. Yeah, like, here's yeah. this device you've oh, seen used totally. in these films that maybe handle this with less nuance. And Completely. here's here's an adult dealing with this situation, an adult who's not quite figured yeah, themselves out, because yeah. when have any of us done that? Yeah. <laughs> and yet, I don't know, it plays with that so well. And um, like, Ashley, like you were saying with Prey, how you kind of had your like, uh-oh, uh-oh hat on. Like, yeah. when's this going to like...
0: Trip when is up this going to become problematic?
1: Yes, yeah. that was me with this film. I'm like, I didn't look that much into it. I saw that this person gave it a five out of five, um, based on their page. They look like they are a cis male, mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't know. You never know, yeah. right? Um, as a person who doesn't want to have kids, I've known my entire like I've known since I was in elementary school that I didn't want to have kids. That that was something I didn't want to do. I didn't want my body to do it. Um, it's something I've repeatedly dealt with. Like, but you'd be such a good mom, yeah. or Oh, you'll, but you might change your mind mm-hmm. or, you know, now that I'm getting into my, like, 30s and Elliot and I've been together so long, I think people are starting to just, like, either, like, believe shut up you. about it or just <laughs> believe me. Um, so I was a little kind of on edge at, like, yeah, when is this going to become yeah. problematic or when is this going to have me be like, oh, damn, really? Yeah. Um but it left so much room for, like, the nuance, the complexity, the beauty, the sadness, the tenderness of, like, the choice to have or not have children yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. not be reductive one way or the other. Yeah. Like, to show that, like, a choice that big one way or the other is an incredibly difficult choice. Yeah. And, like, th- there's more to it than just I do or I don't. Um, and mm-hmm. I just was like, this is now my quintessential film about, like, a person who doesn't want to have kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I so had. Good. Yeah. S- sim, like in the same vein, um, I'm somebody who I still don't know mm-hmm. if I want to have children, um, and that's something that hit me mm. so hard all through this film was how much space she left mm-hmm. for, um, kind of like both sides mm-hmm. um, and all of the in between and kind of yeah, like the push and pull of it mm-hmm. and just how. Just how complex that is. And I don't feel like I've ever seen that represented Mm -hmm. in a film before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's even happening now. But after the film ended, and this has never happened before. (laughs) This has (laughs) never happened before. After the film ended, the first few sentences I tried to get out, I couldn't because I was choking up. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is the like my favorite thing about movies is like the converse. Like this is why we're
1: doing this podcast is the, the conversations that can create about our lives and our histories and our thoughts and our feelings mm-hmm. beyond just like, oh, it was a good movie. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm going to give it a star rating. Yeah. And we're all like five out of five. Yeah. And like when this ended, the three of us had some like really, really personal vulnerable conversations like yeah. sitting on our little Airbnb on our first yeah. night in Toronto when we're frigging exhausted so and tired. just mm-hmm. ate so much candy. Yeah. <laughs> um, like some really personal conversations that are like too personal to talk about here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like, we're all friend. We've all been friends for a really long time. Yeah, like Ellie has been in the picture pretty much since you and I met. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you and I have been friends for so long, and yet we just had some like really beautifully vulnerable conversations that mm-hmm. this film created, like the emotional space for the mm-hmm. like aesthetic space. Like we yeah. like were on this wavelength that this film had created. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and not only oh. that, like. It's not like I was saving up all of those things until the time presented itself. Like, I feel like after I watched this, like watching this film, yeah. it was like, oh, I'm realizing this about myself yeah. and this about myself. And oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, now I'm understanding this about myself. Like, yeah, that was something, too, that like those were things that I didn't know about myself or hadn't like fully formulated until I watched it. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Which is m- one of my favorite things about movies. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It, um, Yeah, like, just just the way that it helps us, like, understand ourselves and our experiences and add more understanding to not only who, like, our friends are or who who the people, like, in our lives are, but also to, like, who, like, we ourselves are. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that really moves me. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was, like... it needs to be seen by more people. It, it does. It time. really does. I like, just
2: yeah.
1: really didn't even know that when I when I saw that, you know, someone had rated it so well and I clicked into it, I didn't really realize it wasn't like well known. Yeah. Um and then when I looked at how few people have rated it on Letterboxd and like you know, it this is based on a graphic novel I can barely find anything about that graphic novel. Like right. it's Yeah, I and and we had to purchase purchase or rent this mm-hmm. on iTunes. Um it's not on any accessible streaming sites. But, like, holy heck, if you're somebody who is at all interested in the nuance of the difficulty mm-hmm. of, like, choosing to have or not have children. Yeah. Um, please go and watch this yeah. right yeah. now. Well, uh,
2: and, like, something that I was thinking about it. And, again, like, this is coming from somebody who has a body that can't produce children. But, like, something that was done, like, really interestingly. Because like, I feel like in a lot of movies that deal with. Um, somebody that wants to have an abortion, it's usually like them fighting like politics mm-hmm. or society or yeah. things like this. But well, that's like not even. But like this is like literally a person's kind of war against her body mm-hmm. and something her body won't, and her own mind won't mm-hmm. let her do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like well, yeah. And then she kind of gets that yeah, where she like gets to a point where there's nothing anybody else can do for her, and she mm-hmm. just has to go through this thing. Like mm-hmm. it's you see, like how that affects her and how mm-hmm, heavy that weighs on mm-hmm. her and how she just feels, like, kind of at... It, it's almost like she's at war with her... Like, with this thing that her body has done against what she wanted to yeah. do. And it, it's it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. She,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, there are moments in that movie that are... that Like, I felt a deeper level of horror than I've felt in a lot mm-hmm. of oh, horror movies. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that... Um, Yep. And you know I had thought
1: that this movie was going to be a lot like Obvious Child, the Jenny Slate movie. Yeah. Um like when I just kind of read the, the the quick byline on Letterboxd. and I really like Obvious Child. I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. It's much more much more drama than comedy this this movie. And Obvious but Child is much also more comedy than really drama. funny. Oh, it's, yeah. it's very so funny. funny. And it's very
0: beautiful and yeah. it's
1: very horrific and it's very like yeah. this is not an easily category. No, and isn't that the
0: best kind of the absolute best or our favorite that's my yeah Yeah, my favorite kind of life life. yeah yeah place of life i love it me too me too yeah because it needs yeah light life is tragic and devastating and hilarious and boring and like all of those things all at once yeah all in the mm -hmm. exact same moment yeah i love when art can capture that
2: yeah one thing i want to talk about that i absolutely love from this movie is his name mose moss
0: I th- I thought it was Mose. Hey, you guys probably have it
2: right. We'll say Mose loved him.
0: Yeah, he was such a good character.
2: He's so lovely. There's yeah. a scene where him and Raquel uh go on a go on a date, or they're hanging out together, and they're just like sitting down on the street, and they have this exchange where it's just like welled me up like it was just like so sweet mm-hmm. he was like mm-hmm. some of the shit that he said was some of the nicest stuff yeah <laughs> it's it's like the yeah. wayne and Wang stuff that just like oh, hits me right in yeah. the heart i love it so much yeah he's lovely
1: i think this is a film about how to be human with like human to other people like mm-hmm. see our human like each other's mm-hmm. humanity mm-hmm. Yeah. even when sometimes we fail at it because characters continually fail at giving like the dignity and kindness to others that they should yeah. and to themselves. Yeah. But then they recognize that and like, and fa- like, we all do that. We all make mistakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's push and pull. And yeah. To our, like to ourselves and to others. Mm-hmm. And this film always comes back to like how we can treat each other with love and kindness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just our favorite stuff, guys. Yeah. Our favorite stuff. yeah. 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 Okay. Because we're um probably going to veer onto like three hour territory here. <laughs> <laughs> how did Ninja Baby make you guys feel?
0: I was just very... I was deeply, deeply, deeply moved by this movie Aww. in a way that not a lot of movies have moved me before. Aww. It was a great experience to watch it.
2: Yeah, it just wrapped my heart up in all the things I love about watching movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, felt moved, felt happy, felt sad, and mm-hmm. felt like heart swelly. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was very good.
1: How to make you yeah. feel? I felt very seen. Like I yeah, so rarely oh, yeah. see something that like speaks to the experience of a of a person who doesn't want to have kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) a a, a person capable of giving birth who doesn't want to have kids and shows it with such a nuance and complexity as this does I've never been in recall situation Mm -hmm. um, but I've feared it yeah Mm -hmm. and um, I just yeah it was there's I have so little media that I can look to and say Mm -hmm. like that's my experience
0: Yeah,
1: Um, and I love that that exists now and I can like point people in that direction if they want to understand what it's why a person might not want to have kids? Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Ah, yep.
0: So but it's it, but it's not contained to that. Not know? at like, all. And even... like I said, it's
1: not my experience. Yeah. Like it's not like it's just about like a. It's not like a girl's yeah. Lena Dunham type thing. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think like kind of regardless of where you stand on it, like if you have a body that's capable of becoming pregnant, like I think there's going to be elements of this movie that, that are deeply relatable. That are yeah. deeply relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. will give
1: you empathy to the. To the parts that are relatable to other people.
0: I that think. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So in closing, this movie is for everyone. And, and everyone should go watch it. Go watch it. Watch I also... It. Like, I do want to say too, like... Um, I think we're talking about this movie... um, And how much it moved us and how heavy it felt and stuff. Um, but I do want to emphasize, like, how... Yeah, it, it was funny. It was amusing. It did keep things light in some areas. Yeah, it, it right? wasn't a movie that bogged you down. No, like this, no. this no. is a movie that like, um like a lot of the movies that I rewatch and that are comfort movies are kind of like the very visually beautiful, like quiet slice of life, like indie films yeah. from like the mm-hmm. early mid 2000s, 2010s kind of thing. Yeah. And this is totally going to get added to my repertoire of movies that I can watch over and over and over and yeah. over has, again.
1: You know how in therapy they like ask you, like, where do you feel that in your body? Mm-hmm. We should start asking that about films, but like <laughs> yeah. I didn't like as I was watching this film, I didn't feel it in my gut. Yeah, I felt it in like my like upper chest. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, yeah, in my yeah, heart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where there's a lot of movies that like I feel in my gut. Yeah, and they just like and it sinks lower and lower and lower as you watch it. This was just yeah. like there as it's talking about these really human, difficult, complex things. It, it kind of kept it up.
0: Yeah, which
2: yeah. Which yeah. is really, I think that's it. that's perfect. That that totally just encapsulate the yeah. what I described like it just wrapped my heart yeah. up and yeah. like made me feel heart swelling yeah, yeah. like I, but I, in a, I love like, that but
1: in a a way that's like loving like yeah. your heart's wrapped up not being constricted but being yeah. like enveloped and hugged yeah, and protected yeah it's
0: not like, pull, be yeah. like yanking on your heart yeah, I mean, yeah. be a little bit sometimes <laughs> um yeah there was um Kate Erblend from IndieWire wrote a little blurb that I thought captured it really well um she said flicky 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 who's the director, I is skilled at keeping things amusing. It's cute, but not cutesy. Quirky, mm. but not wacky. Mostly, it feels entirely populated with real people mm-hmm. and yet is still so funny. No small feat in what could easily be an over-the-top comedic enterprise. Yeah
1: beautiful yeah, this please, conversation please
2: made it. me love it even more yeah let's yeah. go watch it again right now.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> screw the last three movies just kidding we have to talk about them too i don't need to go to perry's birthday dinner either i'm just gonna watch ninja <laughs> baby again <laughs> we
1: have
2: each yeah. other
0: now we have each other we're
2: now. on a time limit yet yeah, we're just taking our
1: time <laughs> 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 ashley uh oh, take us in a
3: different oh, my direction friends.
0: oh my friends okay so my pick was next um, I hadn't seen this movie. Um, I, I had a few that I was kind of tossing around um, because when you're coming on a movie podcast, you want to dress to impress. Yeah. You know, you want to come <laughs> out with a good pick. Um, and I was just having a really hard time deciding. And then um, I came across... This um this movie going down a, of course a letterboxed rabbit hole of yep. clicking you know this relates to this this relates to this, um and I watched the trailer and immediately um, was sold <laughs> and said yes this is the movie that I have to watch with Kylie and Elliot, um so the movie I chose was 2019's Greener Grass, it was directed directed and written uh, by Jocelyn De and Don Luby um, who are both known for their work with Upright Citizens Brigade which is an improv group. Um, it also stars them, um, plus Beck Bennett from SNL, and then a few other um, familiar faces that you might kind of know. Um, and then the synopsis from... Hmm, this was tough, my... another
1: tough one to find a synopsis for. Was it good. was.
0: I found one from, from Wikipedia Next. that I like. So, Greener Grass is an American surreal dark comedy mm-hmm. about Jill Davies, a housewife who lives in a bizarre, unnamed suburban town where all the adults wear braces and drive golf carts instead of cars. <laughs> And off yes. we go. That is a yes. great yes. synopsis. Holy heck! So, what'd you guys think? I deep sigh.
2: I loved this pick. Yeah, I thought it was so good. I and yeah, I had no knowledge about it. I
1: never it heard of this at no, all. Me
2: neither. Um, but like, yeah. So, <laughs> like, it had its like cold open, which just was bonkers. And then yeah, seeing the opening credits and seeing like Beck Bennett was in it, and like I know Beck Bennett from he's good friends with Kyle Mooney, and they used to That's do my good friend. What's that? No, I'm just
0: kidding. That was a dumb joke. That <laughs> was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. I keep going. He's friends with Kyle Mooney. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but uh, Kyle Mooney, who is it? Who was in and uh did Briggsby Bear that we talked about, but he also did like a lot of YouTube shorts that I've talked about liking, but he did those with Beck Bennett. So Mm. like it's this, and now they're both on SNL together and it's just this very weird, awkward, cringy niche type of comedy that that they do. So when I saw his name come up in the opening credits, I was like, okay, I I kind of think I'm a little bit more primed of what the vibe of this (laughs) is going to be. But yeah, it was just, Hilarious and absurd. Um, didn't know where it was gonna go or yeah, what go? what journey <laughs> we were question. on. <laughs> but like because of that, it kept me engaged the whole time. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. it was nuts. Yeah, yeah,
1: this movie, to quote a good friend of mine named Ashley Meyer, is bananas. <laughs> yeah, banana <laughs> <laughs> bananas. Uh, it is like from the very like I yeah I'd never heard of it from the first moment that like the character of Jill offers something up to the character of Lisa, I
0: was like, excuse me? In yeah. a very <laughs> inconsequential, yeah. nonchalant way. Like
1: my brain went, holy hell, and then it didn't stop. Like, Yeah. The, like anywhere you go on the internet, it describes it as like a fever dream.
0: Completely, mm-hmm.
1: completely. And it is like, it's got this just like, I like dream logic and nightmare logic mm-hmm. um, art. And this is just like dream logic to an extreme. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What you're yeah. either gonna like or you're
0: not. A hundred percent. I when it first ended, I was very self conscious because I didn't know yeah. what you guys thought. And I was like, "What <laughs> journey did I just take you on?" Um, but the more that I've sat with it and yeah. thought about it, and like what it is, holy crap! I've started oh, to love it. it, and it it's totally yeah. like on that account, like the dream, the dream logic. is totally. like I'm somebody who has, I have a lot of dreams. I have very vivid dreams. I don't, I don't really have nightmares. Like, I have a lot of bananas bonkers dreams that are really funny. And then when I wake up in the morning and I want to tell somebody about them, I can't remember all those weird little details that made it so funny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie was as if you would put a camera into somebody's head who is just, yeah, having the weirdest funniest dream and yeah. then you could capture and see all the slippery details of the like, why why is that? And what is that? And what <laughs> Well and it's so true I feel like this is one that if you like
1: tried to recreate a scene or like tell someone a joke from it who hadn't watched it, they'd be like, That's not funny. Kind of like when we try to tell people of like our We got we had some real intense sleepover energy for like most of the trip.
2: I feel like it this is manic. where it kicked off though.
1: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> It's infectious. Yeah, like we contagious. We became big goofy goops on goofy goops, goofy goofs on this trip. We have like some of the most ridiculous, like preteen level inside jokes. Now might be pre -pre (laughs) preteen. Yeah, even pretty juvenile. Yeah, but really funny to us. Real funny. But like you try and tell someone else, and they're like, "Huh? What? Yeah, (laughs) pardon." (laughs) And that's kind of what this movie is. Like, if you're in it, you're you're like with them in it. You're like, "What is happening?" Um. But yet, like, because the same thing, the more I sat with it, the more I'm like, I want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I right. want to experience yeah, yeah, it yeah, again. Yeah. In it, there's totally like a critique on suburbia, a oh, critique for sure, on like for sure. the nuclear femme. Like, it's Stepford Wives, but dream logic and comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no I no I robots. Yeah, that I know of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knows? <Yeah>. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. there was a dog.
0: There was a dog. There was a dog, and, and I love dogs. Um, and um, that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like this should just probably be a cult classic. I yeah. think it is on its way to becoming yes. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It also, again, because I'm, I'm kind of like Elliot and then I'm such a visual person. So often mm. when I'm watching films, like that's what I'm kind of grasping onto is like the color palette and the 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 staging and the costuming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, And I really liked that it had this like glazed donut sheen to the camera. Yeah. Right, like that like late 90s, early 2000s thing. Yeah. And then, which added um, to
2: like the dreamlike quality. Totally. It it. totally did. It
0: totally did. Yeah. Um, Because I think, like, even the first scene when it opened, I was like, oh, are we in a dream sequence? Yeah. But then it just didn't go away. It's like, (laughs) oh, no, this is real life. This is real life. Yeah. We just got stuck in it. But it also had um, another thing that I really like seeing in movies because it just feels so like, Sort of creepy to me is the like pastel mm. patina of like yeah. Edward Scissor Hands mm. or like um maybe less in insidious it. would be like Wes Anderson, like just mm-hmm. like that kind of like pastel whimsy and that very clear like mm. um color paletting. Yeah. It
1: is like I hadn't thought of Edward scissorhands Hands as soon as you said that. Like that's a big click. It's like if you put Edward Scissor hands, took out the scissor hands
0: castle part of it, and gave him braces.
1: Gave, yeah. <laughs> Took those scissors, made them braces, and then put it in a dream. Yeah. Uh, my favorite. Can I share my favorite Letterbox Review of this? I uh, yes. yes. love that. So by someone named Liv, uh The review is the plot seems like it was devised from watching a group of kids playing with their Barbies, <gasps> then given a vibrant color scheme. <laughs> Completely. <Yeah>. That's great. <laughs> remember, like yes, I played a lot of Barbies me as a kid, too. and me I, too. Didn't, I didn't play house with them. I did the most unhinged no, bananas, things with bananas. them. Bananas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolute banana. And like, I remember being cognizant of that. Like oh, I had yeah. been playing for like over two hours and then I would kind of be like, where have I ended up? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I've lost the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. I was like, it's
1: so true. There's just, oh. And there's a couple lines in this that are so good that we've just just been
0: oh, quoting. It's I think we will quote this for the rest quotable. of our lives. For oh, if yeah. nothing else, watch this movie, write down the lines, and then save them um, to, to shout form. At people. Yeah, to shout at people mm-hmm. to form inside jokes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this I think this is one that like is best watched with a group. You don't want this by yourself. No, Yolanda, yeah. I, you'll probably and this is like maybe one. I mean, I don't know if this is a critique or just like my personal preference. It was a little slow, but I think that kind of adds to like, Elliot, what you were saying, like that really specific niche of comedy that it's just like yeah. awkward well, and like, uncomfy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like in a dream, you lose your sense of time. You're like, like, how many times have you guys experienced being in a dream? And you're like, when is this going to end? Like, when am I going to mm-hmm. wake up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like, how long has this been happening for? And so it really yeah. creates that like.
2: That There's a discu-
1: I mean, this film is, like, really uncomfortable at Super. times. Like, it crosses that line between dream and nightmare logic. It leans more dream than, like, David Lynch. He leans more nightmare. Mm-hmm. But they're both... I think dreams always inevitably have a bit of nightmare to them, and nightmares always have a little bit of dream to them. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like, I think... Yeah, like, I think that you could... 'Cause I think initially I was like, you could cut down the runtime of this a little bit and mm-hmm. just like,
1: only like ninety some minutes and like, right? and, like yeah, yeah. and
2: like tighten it up a little bit. But then afterwards I was like, No. no I, <laughs> yeah. Like I think th- this was a ride. And yeah, like I like your like I like what you've said about it too, is like it you you just you're you're kind of you're engaged the whole time. But you're also just kind of been When's like, this end? we've yeah, been here for a yeah, long time. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah.
0: And I think as long as like, not that you need to like do your research on this film and watch the trailer, like um, in terms of knowing what you're getting into. And but in as fact, long as you fact, know you what you're watch getting. the trailer. No, no. The trailer does give away most of the plot points. Yeah. Um, I did watch it before we watched it. And that's one thing that I would say. Um, but just know what you're getting into in terms of like what the tone and the type yeah. of humor mm. is, and just just be ready to kind of sit there for t- like uh, an hour and a bit, being like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> I think
1: you could go to the Letterbox homepage and look at the poster and then the um the like top image, mm-hmm. and you'd get it.
0: Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. The poster's completely. great.
1: I want that poster in my house. Oh, it's
0: very it's very um like like um it will like Rocky Horror a little yeah. bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I also really liked it. Yeah, I I'm so glad you. Sh- I don't know that I ever would have found this. I'm so glad you showed it to us. Yeah. Um, and I want to watch it again with you. Yeah.
0: And again. <laughs> and again. And then again, again, and probably again. And then a little bit more. Yeah. The end.
2: <laughs> no,
0: we. Still but not more. the end of this podcast. No.
1: How did it make you feel? Um, I already used this word once, but like it literally made me feel unhinged. Like I felt like I had lost my grasp on reality (laughs) and had lost like the meaning of anything
0: coherent. Like I felt manic watching this movie. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: What about you guys? Yep, that. Yep, that. That. And then it just didn't go away. (laughs) Like I'm still feeling it a little bit.
1: Yeah. So where did we? Where did you feel this in your body? My head. I'm a little dizzy. (laughs)
2: Yeah, in the brain.
1: Yeah, the and party. my eyes are very wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that one that like just you're just like you're in disbelief as you're watching Whoa.
0: it. You or know else I feel it. You don't know, even smiling for a long time and your mouth mm-hmm. starts twitching. Mm-hmm. That's and you're like leaning like Joker and it's like level uncomfortable. Smiling? Yeah, where you're, but you you're... can't stop smiling. Yeah. That's also
1: that dream logic, right? Like where, where the smile has turned manic and scary and like.
0: Yeah, you're like, uh, I don't know how I feel anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and two, like, I, I don't know that we, like, I think that we're talking a lot about kind of like our initial experience. And I'm not saying that I did a bunch of research or thought on this, but just for somebody who was going to watch this, it would be really fun to watch with the lens of like, what's this saying about suburbia? Totally, and mm-hmm. about yeah. like modern society and capitalism. I think and, it has like, a lot to say. Oh, so yeah. much. Like, I think that that's like the 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 thesis of the film is something about. So that. Say, like, what... but right now I'm just really stuck in the,
1: yeah. I think a the second watch, it. I would get the smart stuff. Totally. Yeah, I was
2: gonna say like I feel like you have to have the first watch to just take in all of the like WTF of it all. Yeah, and then the second watch can be for this would be a great film
1: study film. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna teach a class where I just show daisies and greener grass. Oh my god, <laughs> great pairing, great double feature. If you want to feel like yeah. you literally have lost group of reality, yeah, you could in a feminist way. Yeah, you could
0: show this in a class, right? I'm doing a I quick recap so. in my brain yeah i
1: think so i don't think there's i mean i don't
0: i don't think my students would like it <laughs> i think they that's like, their problem <laughs> yeah. that is their problem and then they would go oh i get why she's like this
1: <laughs> no i <I'm> just kidding <laughs> i get why burton's like this
0: yeah 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 <laughs> but then you could say well meyer showed me this film and they would say yeah. oh that's oh, why she's like that
1: that's why you guys are friends yeah
0: it all makes sense now it's coming together
1: Elliot, guess what did you think of this film?
2: It, I was blissfully flabbergasted.
1: Oh, blissfully flabbergasted. Man, we've had some good words, you guys. Good words. Good talking. We've just been hanging out with like, we're three—not to like toot our own horns or anything—but
0: <laughs> we're just like three really smart people who are also really creative. But also, poo um, poo. We've been. That's the thing. We've been conserving our words for the last week because we've been replacing all of our words with <laughs> the words poo and pee. <laughs> Yeah. Guys, I didn't want to talk about this.
2: No. <laughs> it's <so embarrassing. laughs> That was, it was peak sleepover energy. Oh, yeah. Where everything just turned into pee-pee-poo-poo.
1: But we are all really thoughtful <laughs> and, like, pretty bright people, I think. And, like, all have talents in different, like, we were on the plane coming home and that was Ash a pretty was,
0: cute little like, oh yeah is yeah. on
1: one side of me in her sketchbook creating like beautiful art and then elliot's on the other side of me creating like beautiful digital art and then i'm just in the middle reading a book
0: reading beautiful words i know, <laughs> I know. She then I turned about, into more beautiful words i thought about taking out my
1: journal but i just like was a little too tired
0: that would have been we would have looked pretty extra too i know it like, <laughs> like sketchbook look at journal, these dorks <laughs> <a laptop. laughs> We're, not We're dorks. Artists, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> We're <not dorks. laughs> you are like Papa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to bring the energy down with this next one, you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. tamp down oh, the sleepover energy, you don't we? Here's something that I think we probably felt in our guts.
0: Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Should we give a preamble to why? Are you... or... I'm I'll... taking over your intro, I'll, Elliot. I'll get it to it. Why don't you take it away? Yeah,
3: I got it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're you uh, sound like you've been co-hosting this with us forever, and I love it. <laughs> I just listened to all of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're an excellent co-host.
2: Um, so it was uh the last mystery movie pick of the week, and I chose the movie Control from 2007. It's a biography slash drama slash music M- music. Yeah, music's
1: like a catch-all yeah. category for like films about music. All right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Did not look up how to pronounce this last name, but it's directed by Anton Corbin Mm -hmm. based on the book Touching from a Distance by Deborah Curtis and a screenplay by Matt Greenhog. So this movie is the biopic about Mm -hmm. the um, Joy Division, the band Joy Division's lead singer Ian Curtis. Uh, It stars Sam Riley as Ian Curtis, Samantha Morton as Debbie Curtis, uh, Craig Parkinson as Tony Wilson. Alexandra Maria Lara as Enik Honor. Um, Joe Anderson as Peter Hook, aka Hookie. And Toby Cabell as Rob Gretton. Uh, so, synopsis for this movie is uh, a profile of Ian Curtis, Curtis, the enigmatic singer of Joy Division, whose personal, professional, and romantic troubles led him to die by suicide at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. So... And
0: medical struggles. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. So little bit of background on 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 this pick so uh i the reason that this was this was my pick we talked about a long time ago i brought up on the show wanting to watch this because i really liked like we were talking about biopics Mm -hmm. and i kind of said that this was my favorite or one of my favorite biopics and that we knew that you liked it as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. and i'm like well we should watch it with ashley sometimes so i'm like it's low hanging fruit we're going to have you on the show. Mm-hmm. So let's watch. Let's watch Control. Um, it
0: was going to be my pick, too. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is funny.
2: Like, I and I, <laughs> I wanted to I said to you, I wanted to make sure that you got your pick in first in case right. you did pick it. Because right. I felt like there was a potential that you would pick Control. Yes,
0: I was really committed to it. But then um, Kylie and I are both um, sensitive Sally's and we get a little bit of travel anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided that, yeah, like on the second day of the trip, I was still I was in the need of something a little bit brighter. Um, yeah.
2: No, that's fair, and yeah. I I felt like this slotted in nicely because like after both of your picks, like mm-hmm. I I think that I felt better about picking mm-hmm. something a little bit bleaker. I don't oh, think completely. this was the right like first night of the trip. Totally. <laughs> choice. Yeah, yeah. So I think we positioned it well within the week. Yeah. Um, Kylie, so you haven't seen it, but I'll I also have now. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted <clears throat> I also want to watch this because the whole impetus for us going to Toronto was that we were going to go see peter hook and the light uh play the whole joy division catalog which is just two albums they were going to play unknown pleasures in full and play um closer in full as well and do a opening set of new order material which is just wild that we've seen this now (laughs)
0: yeah yeah that's like dream show like that's not something that i ever thought that i would get yeah. to see mm-hmm. yeah
2: well it's funny too because like for me um i don't i i i really like peter hook like i, I consider him kind of the most influential of the remaining members of yeah. joy division yeah. and like i i really like his contribution to new order mm-hmm. um but i feel like i was more excited and before seeing the show and getting tickets to it i was more excited at the prospect of seeing peter hook in the light over top of seeing new order live just because mm-hmm. i have i feel like i have so much of like my younger self connection to joy division and mm-hmm. their influence mm-hmm. on me both musically and just personally mm-hmm. than i do with new order um and i i I like that Hookie's approach to music is a little bit more punk oriented mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it just look a little bit more raw like everybody actually playing their instruments like there is programmed music but there's less yeah. of it i yeah. feel so that was really exciting to me um so yeah i thought that watching this the night before we went to the peter hook show mm-hmm. um was kind of like a, a good primer, especially for you, Kylie, who uh-huh. has a little bit less knowledge about the history of mm-hmm. Joy Division and their background and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a that was a long preamble. But what did what did you think of it? Let's let's start with mm-hmm. you, Kylie, because I'm really <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I just care. like
0: turned and looked yeah. at me <laughs> so intensely. Um, <laughs> what did you think of one of our favorite movies,
2: Kylie? We hope so, you loved it. <laughs> I'll
1: give a little bit more context with if that's okay with you all. Yeah. I feel like this one's going to be a little bit more of like a personal conversation yeah. than a movie conversation, but I don't know a lot of Joy Division or New Order. But when, Elliot, you saw that Peter Hook and the Light were coming to Toronto, I could just see how much it meant to you. And so we, we got tickets. And then I think like a couple of days after I got tickets, Ashley, you and I were hanging out at your house, mm-hmm. just the two of us and Goose, your puppy. My puppy. Um, and I was talking about it and then I was like, oh my goodness, you love Joy Division. Mm-hmm. What? We should have invited you. Yeah. What the heck? And then I was like, I, I think there's still tickets. You can come. And you were like, fine. Um, well, you were like, I'll think about it. Yeah. Within like an hour of me coming home, I get a text from you being like, I think I want to go. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it's and- funny, too, because I-, I did the exact same thing. Like, I saw that he was coming to-, to Toronto and I'm just like, yeah, Peter Hook. Yeah. Like, Joy Division. That's cool. And then yeah. I sat with it. And I think you were it like, are you, sh- are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, and I did the same thing. I'm like, no, and then after I got tickets, I was like, oh my god, yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> this is yeah, unreal.
3: But the, yeah. con-
1: I mean, the context of this being Joy Division is a band that means so much to both of you mm-hmm. and is so intrinsic to like your up, like your musical upbringing and like, yeah, i just i know that these songs are like embedded in your guys's souls yep and they aren't for me like i didn't really other than level terrace apart i didn't really know any joy division songs until like elliot you and i started dating which was when i was 19 mm-hmm. um and even even now i wouldn't say like i know a ton of their music and so you know really we're going to the show that i'm just kind of going to be like a supporter Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like manager. when I went and saw, like, Star Wars The Force Awakens with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah I've watched all the movies yeah. now, but, like, I'm kind of just here to, like, be able to witness the magic for you and have shared in that with you. And
0: make sure we got there on time. Yes, uh, <laughs> I was the manager of the group, uh, of our group.
1: <laughs> um, in terms of, like, the Ian Curtis story, I knew only the broadest of strokes. I yeah. knew that he died by suicide. I knew that there was this Kurt Cobain. I'm a really big Nirvana fan. yeah. Um, and so I knew that there was this Kurt Cobain ask, what could have been? Yeah. You know, what could have been with Joy Division? You know, they were so influential and they were
0: just on at the, the height break. of that
1: influence. Yeah. And, and and you know, just in a, not to just like make it about Nirvana, but, you know, that Dave Grohl has gone on to do the Foo Fighters and like made his own thing from this and like that they went on and made New Order and that became really successful and influential as well. Um, but I didn't know the intricacies of the story. Mm hmm.
3: Mm hmm. And holy
0: crap, is this movie heavy? It's very heavy. Yeah. And it's not just a sad story, which I think sometimes we can fall into when we see something on a screen and it's dramatized. Um, I think that's one of the most important things to remember when you're watching a movie, especially a a biopic, rather, especially one that um, ends with the loss of somebody's life, Mm -hmm. um, is that this was a human's life. This was mm-hmm. somebody's family. This was somebody's world. These were their friends. Um, and the loss isn't just, oh, this could have been the biggest band ever. The loss is um, there was a young girl who lost her father. There was a woman who lost um, her husband. There were bandmates who lost their their friend and the core piece of their creative project. Um, there were parents who lost a child. There was, I think he had a sister. Brother, right, but but it's it's a human, right, and it can be so easy to kind of lean into that, like um, I don't know if it would be like cult of personality or that like um, like legend thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and like turning him into lore. But that's such an important thing to remember that it was a human, and I think especially following up, watching Control with seeing Peter Hook the next night, like seeing that friend who had lost. A
1: friend. Not just
0: yeah. like the, the, the front, not just like the singer in his band, but a friend and a core part of his like upbringing as a musician and his entry mm-hmm. to that world mm-hmm. was, it was so, it was just very somber.
1: Yeah. There was yeah. a an um, emotional experience I had seeing Peter Hook in the light that I don't know that I would have had had we not watched this movie the day Completely. before, mm-hmm. where I just felt this like, um, this experience that was happening in the space beyond the music with like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in the room also acknowledge, like yeah. the audience also acknowledging the loss of Ian Curtis and that like, they will never see him live no. and how much his voice has meant to right. them. And just like this connection through the plane of music that yeah. particularly hit me when like they, they were, they closed with Level Terrace Apart, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Peter Hook stood back mm-hmm. and like, kind of gave a nod to the audience like you know what to yeah, do it's yeah, time for you all to sing yeah. level tears apart and did you both sing
0: oh yeah, yeah. well yeah. and too like i think it's something that was of note to me was the demographic of the audience oh. like it's not like it was a bunch of bouncing teens like a lot of the, like we were the odd ones out in that did audience we it was a lot of hey, yeah. people it was a lot of like um men and like when women as well in you know like their 40s 50s 60s like people yeah. who they might have been listening to this, you know, in the 80s when they were kind of experiencing their upbringing, too. So um, and they I always, lived through the loss of Ian Curtis. Exactly. And felt
1: it in, in, a, in their in real way. time. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Um, So that that's always special to me to like because I think there is like a certain amount of like ageism in like music and in the culture of like going to shows and stuff mm-hmm. that it is like a young person's game. Yeah. Kind of and it was like no I I feel like we're kind of just and it, like not in a bad way but I feel like we're kind of we're guests at this um at this yeah. I don't know if I would call it a celebration but um we're yeah. we're guests at this mm-hmm. like event. Yeah.
1: I felt this extreme juxtaposition because we saw this show with that demographic and this backdrop
3: yeah
0: that
1: night and then the next night we went to the Wild Hearts tour yeah. with um Julian Baker angel olsen and sharon van etten Mm -hmm. and that demographic lean like we we were the demographic there oh completely um but it both shows and i'm curious if you guys do this too i always like like to take a moment during like one of the bigger songs to just kind of like stop looking at the stage and look at the audience and just Mm -hmm. like really try and tune myself into like the like the thrum that's happening through this space and like It gets me so emotional to, like, look and see these people with, like, big smiles. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mean, going to get emotional yeah, thinking about it now. I'm just, like, like, how we're all experiencing this, like, profound moment of connection through this, like, mm-hmm. thing that means so much to us. Mm-hmm. And we've listened to in different scenarios. And, they, like, every person has their own personal, particularly with level Will Tears Apart, their own personal connection to this song. Mm-hmm. And all of those personal connections are joining together in this moment. And yeah. just, like, yeah. I'm not really an energy person (laughs) but there's this like pulsation through the room that is undeniable Mm -hmm. and the other part of this is i hadn't been to a live show since pre-march 2020 and i wrote this in my letterbox review for control live music means as much to me as movies and if you're listening Mm -hmm. to the show you know how much music means or movies mean to me so like there was all of this stuff kind of commingling together to create this incredibly emotional experience Mm -hmm. That, like, to bring it back to the movie, the movie um, started that, like, kind of opened that emotional you yeah, access. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was the access point. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a really interesting letterbox review that I think might... Um, Before you get to okay, that, sorry. I
2: just want to say one more thing about the show and the demographic. Because the other thing about the demographic is, like, yeah, like, that was the age range. But it was a lot of... There was a lot of dads with oh, their too, sons. And it was so cute. Including...
0: Show on stage.
2: Yeah, Peter Hook his touring bassist is his son. Yeah. Who yeah, p- who so plays so the sweet. bass as well. So like very on brand for our show. Yeah. <laughs> great <laughs> dad but, like, energy. Great but, dad but, like, energy in that room. Energy. Especially in like what you're talking about like I just like in those moments watching these two generations of people that are connected by blood mm-hmm. and have like this independent either whether it's independent love of Joy Division or if it's like the the dad has a love of joy division and wants to take like their kid yeah. to like experience this with them. Like you asked me, I feel like it was during the show or before the show. Like if I still had a close relationship with my dad, I probably would have asked him to go. I
1: probably wouldn't have gone. It probably would have been the two of you going probably and would, I wouldn't. Me and my
2: down. dad. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But yeah, like, and you know, yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing every once in a while. I, like peel my eyes off of the performer and look at all of the people in attendance. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that during "Love Will Tear Us Apart," Mm -hmm. and yeah, like it's a song, arguably one of the best songs that's ever been written. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it had like it is. On one hand, it's a banger; like it can get Mm -hmm. you so pumped up, and and it's great. But on the other hand, it's what's written on Ian Curtin Curtis's "It's Devastating Tombstone." Mm Yeah, like it mean it has so many layers, and like the lyrics of it are so sad Mm -hmm. and. And and heavy and there's just there's so many emotions that go with it and because this was one of the first nights, if not the first night of Peter Hook's tour, it was the
0: first night of the tour. They did a couple festivals, but but this this was was the the first first night of the tour where they played the albums. Yeah, Yeah. and the the tour, the intention of the tour. Um, although it's been delayed by a couple of years, was to mark the would it be the yeah the 40th anniversary of Ian Curtis's death. So yeah. it also had that undertone to it too. We weren't just seeing this person playing this music who was involved in this thing that happened. Like he was doing it specifically to um, memorialize and yeah. honor. He,
1: like after his, it was after the it was the first song of the proper Joy Division set that he dedicated to Ian Curtis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whew.
2: Well, yeah, it's a song, atmosphere, and yeah. like, it's one of my favorite songs. But it's mm-hmm. like the song that they they played at Ian Curtis's. Like Peter Hook has said, they played this yeah. at Ian's funeral, and they'll play it at my funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. That. Um, but I can't imagine what it must be like for Peter Hook. And I didn't really think about this until I kind of caught mm-hmm. like a few in between moments watching the show. Is that Peter Hook is playing these songs that he wrote with these guys in Joy Division mm-hmm. but he's now he's taking up the mantle of
3: mm-hmm. for all
2: intents and purposes replacing Ian as the lead singer yeah. mm-hmm. of these Joy Division songs and he has his little lyric book mm-hmm. like it's not yeah. even like a lot of artists now have just like scrolling screens like yeah. di- like digitized but he has his little like laminated yeah. sheets of paper with the lyrics with
1: Ian's, with lyrics. Ian's words that yeah. he
2: does not want to mess up and he yeah. wants to get right for probably for himself for Ian and for the crowd mm-hmm. and yeah, There's like these moments where he kind of like steps back and he's yeah. just like, like, I'm doing this to like celebrate this music. I'm getting emotional and to like celebrate my friend who I lost. And yeah, it was beautiful. Like It was an amazing show. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to go see it. Me too. <laughs> Me too.
0: We had this little trip together, you yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. We were very silly, but we also had a lot, yeah.
1: of, a lot of feelings. We contain multitudes.
0: We do, don't we?
2: But I agree with you. I think watching Control opened, I feel like it opened that up for all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that was like, I um, started listening to Joy Division and watched Control for the first time probably when I was like 16 or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's totally like, yeah, when that world was open to me that it just, yeah, immediately became this like, Mm -hmm. this part of like my own, I don't know. It's like, like narrative kind of, of like music and like became a part of yeah like how I listen to music and think about music and the history of music um yeah
2: well one thing i want to talk about and then we'll get to your letterbox okay. thing but like one thing I want to talk about um, which is like really important to me which I love is that um, long time ago mm. Ashley made this piece of art mm. this portrait of Ian Curtis for her then. Her now ex partner, who well,
0: it, you like, made it for school, right? I made it for yeah. I was still in high school. It was um, it was a project, but right. then, yeah, it was a oh, gift okay. for like my my but, like boyfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah.
2: Secretly, yeah. After you guys had broken up, I'm like, is I don't know if I've said this to you. I'm just like, is there a way we can get that from back you? Did from him? we
3: tried? It didn't <laughs> tried. work. It did That's
0: Cause okay. Like, I, I, also I looked into the I legal like implications this. of giving a gift. Um, legally, you cannot ask for a gift back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you looked into the legal. <laughs> I just had to yes. check. Yeah, it turns out I was maybe in the wrong asking I mean, for that uh, back. I mean, but... I guess that kind of relates to greener grass, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No take backsies. Um But yeah.
2: uh, um, a couple, a few years ago now, for my, birthday. What, my birthday, birthday, right? Yeah. Um, you, Kylie, commissioned Ashley to make a new one. And yeah. you said that it's much better than that original one that you've done. Yeah. And it is like my favorite piece of art. That we have that we have in our house.
1: Mm-hmm. It was um, it was funny. I don't know how much we've talked on the show about like how Elliot, you're such an you're an internalizer. You internalize your emotions, and like mm-hmm. it was this big secret I was keeping because yeah. you, you know, I think we ensured that you had a lot of time to work on it at your own pace. Yeah, because you're a busy person. And you know, we when it was done, you helped me mount and frame it. Yeah, and like I was so excited to give this to you, and I, I think I you had no idea, right? Like I had kept it a
2: no. pretty
1: big secret. Yeah, and then I wrote in the card, um it was a lyric from a new order or a ge- no, from a ge- yeah it was um oh what was it i can't remember but you didn't pick up on that and i was like oh i thought he would like pick up the lyric and cuz i wrote it as if it was like my words but yeah. i w- i wasn't trying to um rip Were off you ian
0: plagiarizing curtis. ian curtis i was like oh, this is good. oh
1: I-, I said um you being with a band. being with you takes the shock away i think i said mm. um or something like yeah. that and you didn't pick up on that like that was meant to be like have you be like light bulb moment yeah but then you didn't really react and i was like oh but it was because you were so overwhelmed with how much you loved it which like mm-hmm. we hadn't mm-hmm. quite figured out mm-hmm. that because we had
2: danced yet. around like sh- like we should get ashley to yeah. really <laughs> make this portrait because it's so good um, so the three of us yeah. just
0: been a uh, joy divisioning together for a while yeah so, but yeah it's very like interwoven throughout our our friendships
2: Yeah. Okay, this letterbox thing. Yeah,
1: we've kind of like stopped talking about the movie, which is totally okay because I would like about to circle back. Um. So, to me, what hits most about this movie, and I don't know how. Like, I I get. I'm not going to get into it again. But if you've listened to the show. And you've listened to the episode where we talked about Jackie. I have really complicated feelings about biopics. And that remained here. I was really concerned about, like, the capital T truth. And I asked you guys a lot of questions during the Mm -hmm. movie, which I normally don't do. Mm -hmm. I'm normally pretty quiet. I kept being like, was that was what it was like? Or did that really happen? Or, like, how Mm -hmm. much time has passed here? Or, like, how old are they? Like, I asked you guys a lot of questions. And as soon as it was done, I was like, well, after we had, like, when I went to bed, I was furiously, like, cross-checking Wikipedia and Reddit Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. interviews to see, like, what was true and what wasn't and what did people think. But what I think the film does get right, if nothing else, is like the failure of the medical system, Mm -hmm. like the failure of like the mental health system that we recognize now and Mm -hmm. can reapply. So I read this like pretty intense critical review on Letterboxd that I actually I want to critique the review, so okay. sorry to Phoebe. Critique the critique. I don't know Phoebe, and I'm not. Um... But we're coming for you, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. So this is an excerpt from from Phoebe's review. I felt more emotional reading Ian Curtis's Wikipedia page than I did from watching this film. Mm. There's little to no character development at all in this. Mm -hmm. He does one thing redacted for no apparent reason. And then he does another thing redacted for no apparent reason. He has no chemistry with his bandmates. He has no love for his daughter. And even the fear of his epilepsy is completely downplayed. Everything in this film just happens so much that you feel no empathy towards any of its characters. Mm -hmm. So whether you feel a connection to that or not, I want to say, but isn't that the point?
2: This is a person
1: suffering from depression. And Mm -hmm. doesn't life just happen? Doesn't it just feel detached? Because I, I I agree to an extent that there's a detached nature to the film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I feel like it's a deliberate aesthetic choice to mirror Ian Curtis's state of mind and to put yeah. us into that headspace. Yeah. Bed space. yeah. Well, and that actually I
0: found incredibly impactful. Right. And that's um, too, like um, that's interwoven in so many other elements of that band and how they're portrayed. Like Anton Corbin, he was one of the first, like he's kind of like one of the main people who photographed Joy Division and took some really iconic images of him or of them rather and those images are you know what we visually associate now
2: with Mm -hmm. that band like
0: that kind of like austerity and the minimalism Mm -hmm. and the the kind of like bleakness blankness um so I feel like it was really in keeping actually with Mm -hmm. like a lot of that and then also um the use of black and white yeah the use of black and white was gorgeous um and um just with regards to biopics like I think where I get caught up in them, um, and I'm pretty neutral towards biopics, like I, I, for the most part, like, you know, can get, yeah, I can humor them, mm-hmm. I can get behind mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. Um, but I have a hard time with some of the invented dialogue and conversations, mm. Mm, and I found that this film is so sparse in its dialogue mm-hmm. Um, and it does allow things to just happen, uh-huh. which um, I, I don't know if this is, I mean, that's probably on purpose or maybe it's like just kind of in keeping with the style that they wanted to pursue in the film. Um, but it allows just kind of like it, it kind of leans on the facts doesn't go too heavy on the the dressings up in the jewelry, you mm-hmm. know, like the dialogue and the frills um, and just kind of, like you said, allows it to happen. And I think that that's Probably um I don't know if it's like a more ethical way to do a biopic and I mean in a sense like by not saying as much you're you're um you're making an assumption as well right um or by not having that character say as much you might be creating some kind of like understanding or assumption about them um but but I did like that that it mm-hmm. left a lot to inference and mm-hmm. it, and it does rely on some understanding of the history of the band and yeah that's um, where I like of I needed to ask stuff. you guys
1: where I'm like whoa like. And you guys like, oh, no, like time has passed. But then as soon as I picked right. up on that, that like the aesthetic of, of the film was such that like time was going to pass really quickly. Yeah. And it wasn't going to mark yeah. that for us. I, yeah. I was fine. And hmm. too,
0: actually, it's funny because you've talked about um like visually how you have a hard time relying on visual cues. And this like specifically um relates to the example that you've talked about. Um, But the way that I see the passing of time in the movie is Ian's hairstyles. Oh, yeah. right? I Which did, like I didn't like, really notice. Right. Which like <laughs> you you mentioned specifically was it the Walking Dead comics? Yeah, yeah it was the same thing. Like yeah. Elliot was like, one has a ponytail and one has freckles. Like Yeah, I didn't really notice yeah. that. Yeah. So it, it kind of Just relies on her. But... I,
1: I was like, oh, when is he gonna have like the hairstyle from the drawing you did for us? But that was about it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I think that hairstyle was done with a lot of sweat. Yes. You yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> he had it in some performances. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I liked that aspect of it personally. Yeah, it's, it, I can, I, I don't know. I I know that everybody's entitled to their opi- own opinion, but I think that Phoebe is simply wrong. You disagree with no, Phoebe? No, I, I don't think that she's simply wrong. I disagree with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, And yeah, I agree with some of your critiques of that critique. I just like, fundamentally, I
1: don't know that a bi- biopic is ever going to be ethical. No. no, And like, is ever going to get no. it right? Because there is no right. Because everybody has their own version of the truth and their own yeah, perspective. And yeah. it seems like this film leans pretty heavily on like Deborah Curtis's
3: yeah. lens,
1: um, which in some ways I think is really important. Yep. In other ways, in doing some of some like background research, other people have different views of the yep. truth. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, ever know what the right way to do it is. But I think if we can watch biopics knowing that i think even these filmmakers knew that that this is one version of this story Mm -hmm. and like yeah i mean any of us we go back and we talk about like moments from our childhood and you can talk about like to your parents and your siblings and your friends and everybody remembers it differently it's true to all of us yeah so i think i just try and keep that in mind that i don't know that this film was trying to create a capital t truth i think it was trying to Mm -hmm.
3: like
0: evoke a um a feeling of a the feeling. time, yeah, an experience, yeah, and the like. Um, the band, the remaining band members, have said that it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Peter Hook and AMA on Reddit said it was almost too accurate.
1: I think even in like in in letting the lens be so much from Deborah Curtis's book, I also think that they tried to. Um, show like the Nick Honoré story with a lot of empathy and nuance too, as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. With mm-hmm. having that be the source material, I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated. It Babe, what do you think of the movie? What do you like? Think, think.
2: Yeah, like I, I, I appreciate that. You know, it doesn't shy away from like it doesn't try to paint Ian as a hero. Like no. it no. definitely no. shows that no. his complexities, his flaws, the things he's, his challenges, like and oh, the way it people. depicts mm-hmm. like the treatment or lack thereof of mental health mm-hmm. during this time. Like I, I've even yeah, I've like, I've, I've seen there and listened to interviews with Peter hook of just being like big, we had no idea. Like he's having fits. Like mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, you, but then Ian would just be so embarrassed about it that mm-hmm. he just like get up and like try to act like nothing was going on. Mm-hmm. Like there was no language for what was going on with him. Yeah. And the, Just how he was mistreated, like in terms of medications and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's no, it's, it's unfortunately no surprise of just like where it went just because of Mm -hmm. the lack of care and knowledge about how to care for somebody like Ian. And And I feel like that's depicted really well here. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Regardless of like the fact that this is based on a real Mm -hmm. person's life, I think Mm -hmm. that for that fact alone, it's an important story. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and how many other people's stories to some degree is this emblematic of? Mm -hmm. Right. Who were lost to or because of or on account of a system that didn't provide them with the supports.
1: And I think of that to a different degree of like, you know, from my vantage point now, I blame my dad's early heart attack on a system that didn't care Mm -hmm. for his mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Following a like that hit the very severe accident he had when he was 16. Mm -hmm. He needed mental health supports. He was on way too many medications. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a lot of systems that failed him along the way that I think mm-hmm. led to his overuse of like drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and overuse of like his prescription pain medications that mm-hmm. resulted in his heart attack at mm-hmm. age 55 yeah yeah you know and like and then and then this movie can become an entry point to talk about those kinds of things yeah. right which yeah. I think is so important
0: completely
2: yeah like I still think that this is one of my favorite biopics that I've seen because mm-hmm. of just the way that it's handled and I, I like obviously I like the source material as mm-hmm. well but Like something with this is that even knowing the ending, I think for all of us, having seen it and having not seen it, like knowing how it's going to end, it's still like it's obliterating. And
0: having seen it so many times before, it doesn't get any less. One of the first things I did ask you, Elliot, like
1: before the film even started was like, do they show his body? And they don't. You don't. They don't. You don't and you, don't. you said they do.
2: I couldn't because remember. I think, but
1: it feels like they do. It yeah. does. I will say that it feels like they do, yeah. but they don't. And I'm really appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, this is a film with like, like suicide haunts it from the beginning because we know, mm-hmm. we know that that's coming. We know yeah. that that's where the movie is going to ultimately go. And mm-hmm. it's a hard watch. It is. Yeah.
2: It is. Yeah. Um, all right. how how did this movie make you guys feel kindly
1: this felt like like being um knee-deep in water and like just like the waves hitting me and you have these like moments of stillness and then like you get hit with like a crash that like kind of like slams into you so Mm -hmm. it was like this sweeping feeling and then like maybe you're standing in water and it's really gray mm-hmm. it's about to storm mm-hmm. but it's not storming yet mm-hmm. it just felt like i just every time i felt like i had a grip on like feeling okay some another wave would hit you and you'd just be like oh damn it mm-hmm. yeah why did this have to happen yeah yeah <sighs> yeah yeah ashley
0: like just yeah somber melancholy mm-hmm. um It's a little bit hollowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, just sad. Mm. Yeah, just like the whole thing makes me sad. Like I just feel like they, Joy Division captured lightning in a bottle with how talented (gasps) all of them are with playing music together. A great way, and the music they were making, and the the fact that things just you know, and and it's exciting in this movie to like see them perform together and. See the energy like I think I from what I've heard in in, from interviews of the remaining members of Joy Division, they captured the essence of what their live shows were like. Yeah. And the energy that the crowd had during their live shows. And yeah, I think they had something really special. And you just watch this movie the whole time and just like know where it's going. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just it's, it's a sad it's a sad movie,
1: mm-hmm. I think to like bring it back around to like you know why we went to Toronto and why we're here, the three of us talking about these movies mm-hmm. right now. um, I feel really grateful that even though, like Joy Division and New Order don't have the meaning to me that they do to you guys and particularly Joy Division, that like I was able to be there with you guys at this mm-hmm. really important show and as sad and heavy and melancholic as and hollowing mm-hmm. to use all the words that we used as this movie made us feel. I felt like the show, like the uh, Peter Hook and the Light, mm. um, left space for all of that. And yet to have a sense of celebration and honoring, mm-hmm. so it left space for mm-hmm. that, like grief and that sadness. Mm-hmm. And yet on, all, but then like to feel it all together and to like honor yeah. the legacy of Joy Division and how much it means to everybody, including yeah. the people on the stage was yeah. like a really beautiful way to cap those mm-hmm. tough yeah. feelings. And I feel really grateful
0: to have like been there yeah. with you guys for that. Yeah. Yeah. And live music in and of itself is such a like life affirming experience, a hundred percent. So I'm glad that we had that. Like while it didn't, inc- it did contain, like you said, all of the like. It still contained all of that like sadness and that air of like you know being somber and like mourning, um, like like still just being. Yeah, part of that experience was a good way to kind of dig ourselves out of the hole and mm-hmm. remind ourselves to keep going well, on the yeah, other side. I'm
2: glad that we got to do that together because you and I had tickets for seats and you had a ticket <laughs> to be on the <laughs> to be on the floor. I get antsy, so I go on the floor. We're just like
1: <laughs> we sneakied our way onto the floor. Yeah. We just like, oh, let's not
2: separate, let's just see what happens. Well, the you second came onto the cheap seats. The with second me. we got
1: in there and I saw that there was nobody checking tickets for the floor, I was like, Well, let's just go. Because I had this feeling in my mind that you that you needed to, that like Elliot, you needed to be on the floor that mm-hmm. like you needed the experience of like being in the crowd.
3: Yeah.
1: um Yeah. um Also, we, are, we know this is going to be a long episode that that was the day we went to the necropolis. Right. Like,
3: yeah, it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So
1: we we went to like the oldest cemetery in Canada. Yeah. And I felt like it had a really similar feeling to the show for us of like, we kind of, we would walk around on our own and then we would come back together and there was some like really beautiful stories that we like knew we wanted to like, like we knew there were certain people buried there that had stories that we like, like Ashley, you read one of them to us. yeah There was others where we were like, oh, like this, who's, who is this person on this gravestone? There's like a quote from them and we would look it up and we would kind of like read it or we would look at the dates and we had this kind of, I think. As we were walking around the cemetery, this sadness for, like, lives lost. But this, like, even though we didn't know these people, looking at it and, like, trying to, like, honor yeah. these people we never knew. I don't know. It it yeah. was a really um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: just uncannily tied together yeah, day. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And even, I, I really like that experience, too, because even if somebody doesn't have a biopic made about them Mm -hmm. or a article on like the Canadian encyclopedia. (laughs) Um, And even if you can't find anything about a person at all, it's like, you know that you're standing amongst so many hundreds of Mm -hmm. stories Mm -hmm. that um, we'll never get to hear. And um, that's, that's sad, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this like sadness.
1: And yet, like you said, this like affirming of life. I felt like going to that cemetery, like I, it felt life-affirming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was the least scared of death I've ever been. Yeah. I don't know. It was a really, be- this was a really beautiful day it was lovely. that we had.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to read through this whole, like I'm not going to read the whole story, but just for anybody who is listening, one thing that I would recommend looking up, there was one um, grave that we found. We knew we wanted to look for it yeah. because it was listed in like a, it was on a list of notable graves of people, but there was a grave for um, Lucy and Thornton Black. Burn, mm-hmm. yeah, Blackburn, Blackstone, just Blackburn, Blackburn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just spelled how it sounds. Black and then Burn. Um, their first names were Lucy and Thornton. Um, and I would recommend if you have five minutes, um, to just go down a little rabbit hole and read about their lives because um, their lives are pretty incredible. And I think that mm-hmm. there were people who maybe have been underrepresented in Canada's history. Oh, yeah. Um, if it's possible, could we put the link in the show notes? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Go look. Go look at that link and read it because it's yeah. a beautiful story.
2: Totally.
1: You guys, we're on our last movie.
2: Speaking of graveyards, what, oh my they, goodness. what do they have a lot of?
1: They have a lot of bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so we knew, um, Elliot and I, we do this thing, we're like, we want to see a movie we've been looking forward to the weekend it comes out. And we knew we were going to be in Toronto. And I was like, Ashley, do you, will you try and go see this movie? Oh, of with course. And, <laughs> I'll um, go as anywhere as with I you. Showed you- Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew you'd come no matter what. But then when I showed you the trailer and you were like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> I was yeah. so excited. And we also um, one of the other things we we're really excited to do on the trip was um, visit with one of our really good friends who Elliot used to work with. Um, her name's Cosette. And we were so excited to see her mm-hmm. and have Ashley and her meet. And mm-hmm. she came with us. So we went and saw Bodies, 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 2022 Comedy Horror. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out. A24, mm-hmm. of course. Oh no wrong. man.
2: <sighs> so
1: yeah. good.
0: Directed by. You guys like them or something? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Continue. It's directed by. <laughs> you,
2: you ask as we came home last night That's and had a box of I've A24 stuff. Well,
1: we, yeah, we came home last night to a box of A24 stuff and our cat. Promptly sat in it as soon as we.
0: <laughs> he stands.
1: Ah, huh? he does. We all we all love a twenty four. So it's directed by Helena Regen. I'm going to say. Also, should look this up. I really apologize. Normally, I do a better job of this. Screenplay by Sarah Delap and based on a story by Kristen Rupinian, who wrote that like the cat people or whatever that went viral a while ago, which hmm. I never read. No, me neither. But I maybe want to go read it. I'm gonna do the whole cast because they all deserve shout, shout outs yep. and the cast mm-hmm. is pretty small. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um not, there's one person who has like a brief cameo, I'm not gonna mention that person. Um so Amanda Steinberg plays Sophie, Maria Becca Lova plays B. Rachel Senott plays Alice, Chase Swee wonders, Sway Wonders plays Emma, Pete Davidson plays David, uh Mayala Harold plays Jordan, and Lee Pace plays Greg. The synopsis for this film: when a group of rich 20-somethings plus Greg, plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion. A party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very, very wrong. what do you
0: guys think of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Ashley? What did I think? I, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. And like, as soon as I saw the trailer, I knew some of the reasons that I was going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, first and foremost... And Kylie, we've talked about this and Sorry, I just I just burped. Um... <laughs>
1: Are we allowed to leave that in?
0: Sure, I have no shame. Um, <laughs> so one of the kind of like commonalities, I guess, that Kylie and I had going into this movie was the fact that we work with young people. Yeah, So we're exposed to them a lot. We know yes. their idiosyncrasies. We know... Um they're slang. slang and how like, like I mean, and this is obviously a stereotype. Even teenagers contain multitudes. Um, <laughs> but we know, like, yeah, like just some of the the things that teenagers are saying and doing nowadays that are in some ways really lovely and in other ways really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like this film just captured <laughs> that so well. Like I like the entire time I was watching it as somebody who hangs out with teachers or t- teachers, teenagers basically all day, I was like, Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That checks out. That's yeah. what would happen if you put this and this and this person together and mm-hmm. made them do you. Yep. Yep. That checks out. And it was just um, it was very amusing to mm-hmm. me.
2: Yeah, I think that that was one of the first things that you said to me when we walked out of the theater, just like, oh, man, the student resemblance is uncanny. Oh, uncanny. I
1: wonder if they're going to love it or hate it, if they're going to feel
0: attacked by it. Right. Or too, like if I think they're gonna feel silenced you're silencing me (laughs) um or to the other thing too is sometimes like when you are like in something and Mm -hmm. then somebody else tries to depict that it's like you don't do that (laughs) you know like it's just it's a little bit too exposing Mm -hmm. um so i don't they might they might not um i'm excited to ask them me too but not too
1: excited i'm still gonna enjoy my summer
2: (laughs) um Yeah. yeah i i love this too um I thought it was fun as hell. I love the shit show that the movie just <laughs> devolves into. It's yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Um and it's also I think the movie going experience is a prime example of why I love going to the movies with you, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cause it's your reactions to everything, like bi- like big moments, small moments throughout the movie, all of your reactions are big.
0: big. <laughs> They're big. I I have big feelings. <laughs> It's so fun. It's so great. It's part of the reason why, and I know that like this was something that you checked on Kylie, but you were like, "Can you see a horror movie?" Mm -hmm. Actually, Um, I have a little bit of a hard time with horror movies. It's not that I don't like them or I get too scared. It's just I'm somebody who feels every movie that I'm watching, I feel in my entire body. Mm -hmm. So, like basically, like horror movies especially are just like very physically exhausting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot of jumping and gasping. It's fun to be beside you. Um. So yeah, as long as I have time to um, like mentally and physically prepare myself, I can I can withstand a horror movie. But um, indeed, indeed, my reactions are big. Um, as someone who watches
1: like less horror movies than us, how horror do you think this is?
0: Oh, not very.
1: Yeah, no, I felt I felt that there's,
0: too. Yeah, a little bit of gore. Um, the gore wasn't to a level that um made me nauseous. Um, Which like that doesn't normally happen either. But like I have watched films where like the gore was, you know, in my tummy turn a little bit. Um, The suspense was good. I would say kind of like on par with a lot of other like teen thrillers, Uh suspense, like horror movies that I've seen. Um, I kind of
2: feel like this is comparable to like Scream. Like have you seen the scream movie? Oh. oh goodness gracious! We Shows. created scary. such
1: a list while we were together of like movies that we want to show each other. Most of
0: them are horror movies. <laughs> oh, you want to show they? me? Oh, I haven't no, seen I any show you
1: now and then. Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. Probably I haven't seen that either.
0: Has oh. horror in the name? Too scary. Marie Antoinette.
1: Oh, Little Shop of Horrors isn't. It's like Beetlejuice. Too scary. <gasps> but you like Beetlejuice? I do
0: like Beetlejuice. That was a joke. Well, <laughs> Too uh, scary.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So many movies that we want to show each other. Yeah. And what did we just add to the list? Scream.
0: Oh, I know.
1: And you don't know the ending?
0: No.
2: How special is that?
1: <sighs> Please oh. let us show it to you. Okay.
2: Maybe I'll we'll, allow it. Maybe Metro will play it again <gasps> uh, near Halloween. We could we could do that.
0: Yeah. That would be fun. Be we can usually <laughs> convince you when it's in the theater. <laughs> but pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. If you offer it, I'll go. Um. Yeah. But like horror wise, it was it was manageable.
2: Nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What are your thoughts, Kylie?
0: Um, I thought,
1: like, I agree with everything you guys said. On top of it, I thought the mystery of it was really fun. The, oh, like, so good. Like, yeah, like yeah, what yeah, is yeah. the... So good. I, I saw a review, I can't remember, it's somebody I follow, so I, I apologize for not having your name here, but they said something like, "Um, a movie like this is only as good as this reveal and it's one damn good reveal. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, yeah, if, you know, if this is comparable to, like, Clue or Knives Out or, like, you know, something where there is a mystery that needs to mm-hmm. be solved... Mm-hmm. Um, this one was really fun in terms of like mm-hmm. how I think it does a good job of like keeping you intrigued about what the answer is, but not having that be the focus of the film where you're yeah. just trying to figure it out.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So and it's also just like really self-aware, I think, about like what it is, yep. what it's doing, what it's saying. Yeah. There's a version of this film that is right wing. Do You know what I mean? Like a version of this film that's like making fun of this in a way oh. that's making fun of it in a different way. And it means mm. in like a snowflake way. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Completely. Yeah.
1: Um. And it, I don't think that that's what this is. Nope. No, no, I agree. I think it's... I don't think it digs as hard into um how even people who believe in the language and the ideas presented in this film can co-opt it themselves right, Mm -hmm. and make it meaningless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Despite the initial intention of it being really important and good and lovely. Yeah, Um, And I think we're all guilty of that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's so funny.
0: I think it does a good job too, though, of kind of walking both lines because there are characters in this movie who have experienced pretty intense drama Mm -hmm. and who um, those things considered being able to put their experiences and their feelings into words and having words to use like yeah this yeah. like this and this is a trigger for me mm-hmm. or um i don't know, like um, among other things but just having like that language of like air quotes therapy mm-hmm. um to describe their experiences like that's one thing that i love so much about this kind of like up and coming generation of um like kids and teens and young adults is that they are equipped with so much more language to describe their experiences mm. than say like we were mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we were teenagers like in some ways it makes me so happy to know that um these people that like kids and young people have this like language to use and this understanding but at the same time like you said like it, it can get kind of like co-opted and picked up in really dumb <laughs> dumb ways and this film does that too oh yeah yeah right there's people using that language to talk about just the most vapid ridiculous things and i think yeah so it kind of like walks both of those lines of mm-hmm. like and oh, yet yeah sorry i totally of, interrupted no, it's okay. of like young people being equipped to talk about their experiences which sometimes are legitimately traumatizing yep. and intense um but then also just kind of like that that aspect of like when um you are a teenager Sometimes you think that certain things are, um, like, traumatic and a big deal when yeah. they're, like, not. Well, and I, I thought
1: um, if I was, you know, if I was doing a greener, like, we talked about the greener grass, watching it a second time to, like, look at the, like, what it's saying. Yeah. I was mostly just having fun with this this time. But if yeah. I was watching it a second time to look at, like, maybe what it's trying to say through the way it makes fun of therapy language. um which I agree with you, I think is incredibly important. I like having this language. Yep. I love hearing the young people that, that we hang out with all the time use yeah, this language. Yeah. The scene that I think I would, you know, if I was writing a university essay on this, that I would come to is the scene where I, I think it's trying, it's intersecting all of these different things it's doing. is a scene we can't talk about, yeah. but it's an incredibly upsetting scene where somebody basically um, dismisses the use of that language and says that word doesn't mean anything. And and then proceeds to enact that word. And I think that the film is addressing how we need these words, but we need to think about how we use these words and in what yeah. situations we use these words in. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think this film is making fun of rich young people more oh, than it's sure. making fun of, like, mm-hmm. Zoomers as a, sure. as a culture. Sure. Like, all these yeah. people are filthy freaking yeah. rich. Well, yeah. and especially, like...
0: Do you want to finish your thought, and then I'll go on mine?
1: I don't remember how to finish
0: my thought. Like, just of my own accord, nothing to do with anybody else. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you go ahead. Okay, on a bit of a tangent, there is this thing that I am fascinated with. And it's this thing within, like, TikTok and TikTok culture of young TikTokers, like, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, all getting together and living in big mansions and just making TikToks together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, like a YouTuber thing, too. I'm it's so wild. confused by it. Yeah, um I don't I'm want that life. Upset by it. <laughs> yeah. Just personally. Um <laughs> I'm personally and, offended by it. <laughs> and I feel like this was like playing off of that yeah. mm-hmm. a bit, which I don't know, was just like a funny kind of like oh mom. I don't I don't know if it was on purpose, but that was the association I made in my head. Mm. Um, oh yeah. Like, especially because I am so fascinated and confused by that element of like Zoomer culture. Mm. Well,
1: and I um I wrote this in my in my letterbox review, but the character I find the most relatable is Lee <laughs> Yeah. Oh, like, like guys, we are the aging millennials who so the Zoomers are truly. like, you don't understand our, especially Ashley, you and me. Ugh. who are around Gen Zs and like, we are old we're and we're cool not anymore. cool. No, and my, no, no, no. my rolling of my pants and my yeah. graphic tees and Apparently my... Apparently you can't wear ankle socks anymore. Those aren't like, cool. Yeah. Like, we're what? just... We are constantly confronted at our jobs with how uncool we are. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. But it can be a little hard. Like I I wrote in my review, I am the aging millennial who desperately wants the zoomers to think I'm cool. Like that's who Lee Pace is in this movie. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's the he's
0: me. Yeah. Ah." (laughs) Much like Lee
2: Pace, I also just want to go to bed.
0: (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) And when I can't sleep, I listen to meditations.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What I think that something that I really loved about this movie too is I I love a a movie that just knows the horror movies that came before it mm-hmm. and just knows how to play into the tropes mm-hmm. that just like as horror movie fans, like it, you, you understand and you know what they're riffing off of or what they're um, making fun of or whatever or playing into it. I, I think, I think it's done really well in, in this movie and just like totally sets you up for great misdirects, which leads mm-hmm. to really great reveals later. And just kind of also deepens the characterizations of certain people who you are unex—you're not expecting them to get deeper characterizations of—and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's and it's ev- very smart.
1: Everyone just kicks ass in it, like mm-hmm. you know, everyone comes to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Rachel uh, Senat is getting a lot of a lot of love on the internet and well deserved, but I think that like everyone is awesome here. I think Amanda Stenberg's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think Maria Bakalova, who I, I, guess, I guess is from Borat. Oh. Which I'm like, oh, good good up from that here. Hmm. Um, oh. I've never seen the Borat movies. I
0: haven't seen that one, but wasn't there like a yeah. like a non-actor who was brought in to play his daughter or something? I don't know if that's her or not. I should have done a little bit more okay. research. Hmm. Um, Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. No, that's okay. I'll... That's something I'm going to look into. Anyways. The cast, yeah, and then and
1: like Lee Pace is somebody we're all familiar with mm-hmm. from like his pushing Daisy's days. Yeah, um, Ellie and I love the show *Halt and Catch Fire*. Yeah, um, which is like a more dramatic role he's in, and he is great in that. He's also yeah. in the Marvel movies. Just like yeah. Lee Pace, get it? Yeah. You're great. I just
0: watched him in *The Foundation*. Oh yeah, a, I, yeah, the Isaac Asimov.
3: Yeah, or is yeah. it
0: based on Isaac, Asimov? is it good? Mm. Oh, okay,
3: yeah. but I like Lee Pace in it. <laughs> but
0: Lee
1: Pace is good. So yeah, like everybody is just like super great in it it's really funny it's really self-aware it's a good mystery and I think it's gonna stand the test of time as like a as a scream type movie as like a fun slasher film that you can get your friends who aren't super into horror watching because it's not like super scary but it's got some like fun jumps
0: and two I think it'll stand the test of time as a time capsule oh totally when you go back and Mm -hmm. watch like Mean Girls being like oh God, I did want to wear that when I was in grade <laughs> seven or whatever it was, or like you know any movie that kind of like encapsulates like, so like the youth gen, culture of that time. If the
1: Gen Zs don't like it now, they might look back on it and be like, "Oh dear God, we right. were like this, <laughs> right?" Or yeah. I at
0: least knew somebody like this. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, it, or or this was the the dream that was presented on TikTok. Even if I <laughs> personally wasn't like this, right? <laughs> because I wasn't, I wasn't Mean Girls. No, but it, but no. it was, but it was in the culture. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah that yeah. we understood at the time.
2: Um, I wanted to talk about a device that I really liked. It's like, well, I mean, first of all, I feel like this is the movie that has probably the most smartphone flashlight work I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> they were, yeah, they were really putting in the work.
2: Um. Yeah. But a device that they use that I really like is actually using different light sources to differentiate different characters. So like yeah. they use glow sticks, oh, they use a headlamp, smart. they used phones versus a flashlight. So you kind of knew who different people were in an, the dark.
0: An infrared light
1: mask. Again, yeah. <laughs> yes. this person who doesn't get visuals... Never picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who has two thumbs and didn't understand that? Yeah. Oh, this guy.
2: <laughs> I just like, I like that. I thought it was really clever. Yeah. For a movie that takes place like a lot in the dark using yeah. flashlights. I think that was a clever way to get around that.
0: I yeah. Yeah. To create understanding and like connections with characters completely. Yeah. Completely. I Riley right. just listened to the sounds of their footsteps and was able to differentiate <laughs> them. <laughs> it was an auditory thing. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. bodies, bodies. Bodies. How did it make you guys feel?
0: Um, I felt a little like duped, but in the best way. Mm. Like not in a way that I'm mad about, in a way mm-hmm. that I was like, You got me. You know? <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was, yeah. Elliot.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um man, A twenty four is just on a roll this year. I'm just like so so stoked on them. But yeah, it just made me happy um that this was not good, but great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I thought this was so fun, and I agree. Like, it's I think it for me, it stands the test of time. Like, I would pick this up. I'd watch this every Halloween. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, this was like everything I want from like a fun slasher movie, mm-hmm. where it's like, or not slasher, like a fun murder mystery movie, mm-hmm. where it's like, I felt dread. I felt mm-hmm. the jumps. I thought they were earned. Um, I liked the mystery. I hated the characters, which you yeah. want, like you want yeah. to, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. And yet it was still really, really funny. Yeah. Mistrust too. Yeah. Like it was really mm-hmm. hard to trust anybody, yeah. which like yeah. whoop, love it.
2: Oh, and like last point too, like the music again was oh, done, It was so done by good. a disaster piece who we did like, it follows. They did it follows and they did Marcel Lachelle she was on. <laughs> but I love how they approach doing movie scores. They're so good. Yeah. And like it's so simple. Like they kind of replay the same um same music a few times throughout Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yep. But yep. it's just so good at building tension yeah. and like I did creepy. notice
1: how the music was attached to certain characters, so maybe you're not wrong about the auditory stuff.
3: There you go.
2: I
1: told
3: you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know me better than I know myself. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right,
2: you guys, it's that time. It's
1: time.
2: Let's talk about some wow. bad dads Ashley, and rad, rad so dads. We're
0: we're know, yay! All
2: right, bad dad. Bad dad of the week. Bad dad. Ashley, who's your bad dad? <gasps> I'm first. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: I have one. Um, my bad dad of the week is Dick Jesus. <laughs> From <laughs> Ninja Baby, as if the name didn't say enough. Um, so I have that. Um, would you rather me call him Pikachu? No, Dick Jesus.
2: He's Dick called Jesus. Dick
0: Jesus. Okay, I think that's what he's called in the movie Pikachu. Pikachu, <laughs> aka Dick Jesus. Okay, in English, so, he is. Um, he's guided by his ego. Oh, he's the type of person to like the idea of something, but not have considered the reality of the thing. Like somebody would like get a puppy and then like not train it, mm. or like be mm. mad that it was peeing in the house, but not take it outside. Um, he's manipulative. He ignores boundaries and takes advantage of and exploits people. Um, he shows up when it's convenient to him, and he doesn't keep his word. Mm. Mm, very good. Bad dad vibes, oh. guys. Sick
1: Jesus. Yeah,
2: Kylie.
0: My
1: bad dad is Lisa from Greener Grass.
3: <laughs> yeah okay okay i understand
1: okay. like a dick jesus <laughs> lisa is incredibly self-involved yeah even more than the other parents in the film her kids are her trophies yeah. rather than humans or other objects that deserve their own <laughs> life uh, and reality maybe also humans in her mind too <laughs> in her mind um She is completely unwilling to, like, see another person's point of view or, like, there's a particular plot point in the film that, like, her response to another person trying to be like, I made a mistake and I want to, I want to rectify that mistake is just completely shut down. Um, Yeah, I think Lisa is a bad dad. (laughs)
0: Okay, okay. Elliot?
2: All right. Um, My bad dad nominee... Was David, played by Pete Davidson, in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Oh man, we had a lot of
1: bad dads this week, wow. guys.
2: <laughs> um, I just uh, I thought he was a dick. Um, <laughs> he's super selfish and unwilling to see outside of himself and what he and what he wants. Like he just has this like entitlement to what he wants to do when he wants to do it and whoever, like, is immediately involved in his life. And he's just like he's. He's obnoxious and like, and about all of those things I just mentioned.
0: But he's so cute and so funny. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> That's he there you to. go. He
2: loses your end with this, yeah. with this cute and cute funniness and then burns you. I <laughs> yeah. did see
1: a great review on Letterboxd. It was like, never show me Pete Davidson's without tattoos again. It's gross. Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> it is. He looks, he looks like a,
1: yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. I don't agree with Dick Jesus.
2: Neither do I. <laughs> I I feel like looking at the full arc of Dick Jesus. Oh yes.
1: you're right. Does I
2: it,
0: agree. you right. With that was a
1: mistake. With everything you said, okay. okay. But I think if we compare Dick Jesus, I think that we all had similar qualities in our bad dads yeah. that we're saying we don't want in our fathers. Yeah. But I think there's some characters
0: here who grow. There's a trajectory. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're right. some who do not. And so therefore then, I am objectively wrong.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. We're not like sometimes like you're a guest, but like you're not
0: really.
2: You're a guest, but pee-pee poop. Right.
1: <laughs> but out of Lisa and and uh Okay, and so Pete, we're we're down to not those two. Pete, a bad man. Lisa and David. I think I can acquiesce to David over Lisa because I think Lisa is indicative of the entire culture. hmm Lisa's not the only one who's acting like that. I think everyone in that movie is a pretty bad dad.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and it's like a critique of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I I can I can give it to Pete Davidson if if we're all
0: on board with that. But Ashley. also he's cute and funny. There you go. No, I'm just cute kidding. and funny people can be bad dads. They can. Yes. They can. A dad does not just have to be cute and funny.
1: A dad doesn't have to be cute and funny. No. A cute and funny person doesn't have to be a dad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so (laughs) a cute doesn't have to be funny and dad.
1: A funny doesn't have to be cute and dad.
2: So David from Bodies Bodies Bodies. Pee pee poo Poo, -poo.
1: (laughs) Uh uh, Dad.
2: Okay. Elliot. me? Yeah. I picked Mose from Ninja Baby.
1: All right, tell us why.
2: Oh man. So kind, patient. He's accommodating, uh caring. He's just—he's so, so lovely. He just has like this very calm kind of air about him. Just
3: mm-hmm.
2: totally lovely person. Okay, and, okay. Well, who would I would want for a dad to have like mm-hmm. all of those traits and to like treat me the way that he treats? He chooses to treat others.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Me, mm-hmm. I picked her Raquel mm-hmm. from Ninja Baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said she she doesn't quite have herself figured out. Mm -hmm. But she takes the time to pause and reflect and Mm -hmm. confront Mm -hmm. all of what she doesn't have figured out Mm -hmm. when she needs to, Mm -hmm. despite how hard that is. um, Despite not wanting kids, she always does think about the kid Mm -hmm. and think about herself as well, like both, both what she needs and what a child might need become priorities to her. And I think that the raddest of dads need to do both. Need to both think about themselves and what they need, mm-hmm. as well as think about their children and what their children need. Mm-hmm. And it can't just be one or the other. Yeah. Um, and I think that the choices that she makes are pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Mm. I see that, Ashley. We have three different again.
0: No, we don't. Oh um, shoot! You picked Mose. I also picked Mose.
1: Mose. Oh, frick!
0: <laughs> so far, you're outnumbered. Um, yeah. So about Mose, I have um, that he is patient, even when the people around him give him reasons not to be, as children are so wont to do with their parents. Um, he is caring, considers the needs of others um, in a way that kind of almost leads into mom energy. So, like, there's a few cute mom moments, um, I but I think he still does lean largely dad. Um, and then this is my favorite one. Um, and it's one that I feel really strongly about because this is something that my own rad dad um, exemplifies. And I can attest that it is a uh, rad dad quality. Um, he gives people space and he remains objective mm. in situations, even when he has emotional skin in the game, which is one of Aww. the hardest things there you go. to do. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Perfect.
1: Okay. I made a pretty stinky face because I don't like losing. But I don't disagree with either of you. And I yeah. think you both said that very beautifully. Um, so, yeah, I agree.
2: Nice. So, I But I mean,
1: Raquel does deserve a shout out though, right guys? She does.
3: Yeah, she's I, she's yeah. great. Just she's don't.
0: like, um, she's like rad self-parenting energy, yeah. you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. She's who we should all aim to be as we parent ourselves. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But Moe's, be our dad. Be our dad.
2: Be our dad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right we're reaching the end you guys we're reaching the end yeah so we're gonna talk about rad rex yep um i'm just gonna do a very quick one-liner go on a trip with your buddy yeah go on trips with your buddies yeah i'd recommend it yeah and embrace sleepover energy
0: yeah Yeah.
1: it's gonna be real fun it is um nobody else will
0: get it but that's okay
1: But that's okay because we have each other because you have each other yeah (laughs) Um, but the more important Rad Rec uh, we're going to pass off to to Ash. Yeah. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah. So um, I mentioned in the beginning that I'm an artist. And one of the things that I've been exploring lately um, is kind of um, born out of something that a writer named, a name, and that name is Austin Kleon. Um, it's something that writer Austin Cleon describes as the family tree method. Um, he has a book called Steal Like an Artist. Um, He also has a few other books that I would highly recommend. Um, But what he says to do, or what he says people should do as artists is to explore their family trees. And that's not like genealogically or like um, in terms of like your blood ties to people, but that's in terms of like going up the tree of the things that um, inspire you or that you latch onto. So for me as an artist, if I'm looking at an artist that I like, instead of trying to find like other artists like that, um, I look at that person And then I do some research, find out who influenced them, and then I go up the tree. So um, this is an excerpt from um, the Writing Cooperative website, and it's an article by Mohamed Nadir. And he's talking about Austin Kleon's book. So this is kind of like Austin Kleon um, via Mohamed Nadir. So in his New York Times bestselling Artistic Thievery Manifesto, Austin Kleon emphasized that you can't pick your actual genealogy. You can't choose your parents, your uncles, your aunties, or your grandparents but you can pick your artistic genealogy. You can choose the writers, artists, and creatives you want to be most influenced by. You can choose the great artists whose shoulders you want to stand on. And who better to steal from after your favorite artists than those who influence them? Um, what you want to do to follow this method is to chew on one like thinker, writer, writer <laughs> artist, activist, role model. Um, you could even do this with like movies and books um, that you really love. Study everything there is to know about that thing or that person and find three people or things that that person or the person who made the thing loved and find out everything about them and then just keep repeating it as many times as you can and climb up the tree as far as you can basically so um where this was kind of born out of was um i was thinking about our trip and um like joy division and this process um like was kind of accidentally the process by which i discovered joy division i was really into um kind of like uh like kind of post hardcore, post punk music when I was a teenager. Um, And um, I had somebody recommend to me like, oh, like if you want to meet like the great granddaddy of all that music, um, it's going to be like Ian Curtis and Joy Division. So that's how I discovered them when I was younger. Um, And that just led me a lot of really cool places in like discovering new music. And I think often when we're looking for new music, We are looking for other music that is new, that's along the lines of the things that we like. And we forget to kind of like to go back Mm -hmm. in the archive and explore what's been there or what's already there and has been there for many, many years. Um, So that's my rad wreck of the week is go up your family tree of whatever it is, the thing you love, like whether that be movies or music or art um, and use it to just kind of yeah supplement your family tree and give you some new people to look at and consume art from and be inspired by beautiful lovely yeah that's great hey thanks
2: well thank you so much for coming on the show ashley thanks for
0: having me thanks for going on a trip with us (laughs) thanks for watching moves up thanks for being our friend
2: yeah
1: thank
0: thank you thank you for all of those things thank you for making sure i was on time for things (laughs) um thank you for not getting mad when i spill on you (laughs) and thank you for making me eggs every morning oh you're welcome yeah
2: nice And thank you to all of you out there for listening. We drop a new episode every Thursday. But until then, you can follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram at baddad.raddad. You follow us on Twitter at baddadraddad. You also get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. Our usernames are Elliot Cuss and Kylie Burton. Links to those will be in the show notes. And we would absolutely love you forever if you could drop us a rating, review, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. But that's going to do it for these stinkies this week. So until next time.
0: I'm Kylie and my dad's dead.
2: I'm Elliot and my dad's a deadbeat.
0: But remember,
2: not, not all, all dads, dads have, have to, to do be, be bad.
3: bad. <laughs> oh,
0: pretty. people.